Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. You could turn $10 into $250. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/fan and use code FAN. That's code FAN at prizepicks.com/fan. Must be present in certain states. Visit prizepicks.com for restrictions and details. Thank you, thank you, gentlemen and guns. Coming. Brand new podcast. Look, I've taken the hey guys out of all of it. I see so many people say hey guys online. It's just such a, a bad habit. Hola, Coca-Cola. Uh, this is a great podcast. I've known Eddie for probably 22 years, as long as I've been in comedy. And uh, it's cool to see who we grow up as men. Like, y'all knew each other when we were young comics. I was working the door and he's hustling to get spots and we go up and meet up at the room and have drinks late at night and talk shit about comics, talk shit about comedy, run into David Tell and he'd blow us off and buy us shots. And then the bartender would be like, don't talk to him. Um, I've known him forever, but it's interesting to see the guy that he's turned into as a man because he's super active, which I look up to. I would love to be more active, especially in a fun way. And that's what Eddie does. And we talk about comedy. He has a new album out right now called Sweet Home Alabama. Because he lives in Malibu, but it's the poor people's Malibu, and with where all the lunatics cut their scrotums open in the middle of the night. You'll understand when you listen to the podcast. You can get it anywhere. You would get comedy on uh, iTunes, on YouTube, Spotify. It's it's awesome. He's a fantastic comic. But we spend the majority of this talking about his extracurricular activities. He's a, really into surfing and a great surfer. He's an amazing skier. He's into CrossFit. He does ultra marathons, triathlons, ran track in school. We talk about track because I ran track in school too. Um, this is the podcast where I had to change shirts, but this is, I just finished with him. I absolutely love him. He's a great guy, great comedian, and it's a great conversation. My buddy, stand-up comedian, Eddie Ift. This is... When you okay, starting Are we podcasting? Now. Yeah, now we're podcasting. Okay, so don't talk about that. I won't bring it up. Don't talk about what we just talked. I about. think. I mean, personally, I think women are just as good comedy writers as men. But if you don't feel that way, then that's fine. No, I just don't think you should have hit her. <laughs> well, I would if she wouldn't have stopped yelling the n word. Your wife needs to stop <laughs> yelling the n word. <laughs> when I was a when I was a little kid, I was a I was a ski instructor. I was like the youngest ski instructor at this. Oh, mountain. that's right. You can legit ski. Y- yeah, but no, not not like good. But you've been no, but you can ski. Like there's people that go. Oh, I ski. And then you go skiing with him. And you're like, yes, snowplow. Yeah, no, I mean, I can ski. Like I ski raced and competed yeah, and stuff you're, like you that. You legit yeah. ski. Yeah. But, but like, I'm not good. There's guys that are good. Yeah. Like you see shit on, on okay. videos. First of all, for the record of, for the record of how we would describe things as comics, you're an amazing skier. Oh, as comics. We, we embellish everything. Yeah. But, um, when I was a little kid, I was like 15. I was like the youngest ski instructor on our mountain. And, uh, I'm there one day and I'm in the chairlift line and I, I don't think I admitted to masturbating yet. You know, like you don't admit till you're like 21. I was, I was 18. It was the first time I, I was like, yeah, I do it. And I'm in the chairlift line and they're, they were like locals at this mountain, seven Springs in Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh, like locals. Like that's what they do. Yeah. They, they I think become, they call, I think they call them gapers. 
I uh, think that's the, I, the gap between that. A gaper uh, is the gap between your goggles and your helmet. Is that what it that's is? That's what a gaper is. And so back then we didn't wear helmets. This is a long time ago. Okay. So this, I dude, saw a girl, I saw a girl in Portland that had a tattoo that said gaper on the back of her arm. And she's probably making fun of, no, that. no, no. She was, no, she was a legit. I said to her, I said, that's an interesting tattoo. Cause I only know gapers as women who get fucked in their vaginas. Their asshole stays open. Just talked about this. I, and I was like, podcast and I was like, I was like, is that, why would she put that on her arm? Like we get it. You party, but, and she goes, no, I'm a local. I said, I'm a local skier. And I went, Oh, and I called, I fucking Googled it. And it was like, Oh, it's for a local skier. Term also. This is a long story for such a dumb thing that happened. But this old local dude, while I was standing in the chairlift line in front, you know, like, it's almost like you're packed in this whole group of people. He just looked at me and went, Eddie, you never finished that story about what happened when your mom caught you masturbating. <laughs> and as a little kid, I just oh. folded. And I was like, the whole, everybody looked at me and I was like, I, I did I, she didn't catch me. I didn't, I, I, and it, I couldn't stop for like days thinking like, how do I ruin this guy? <laughs> he crushed me. Dude, so. I got, I got, um, I, there was older kids were always so good at that. Those, those things. I remember one time these kids, these high school kids, we were in ninth grade and they pulled up and they're like, Hey man. And we're with like a big group and I'm off to the side and they're like, Hey man. And I was like, what's up? And they're like, come here. Go, what's up? And they're like, come here, man. And I was like, what? And he's like, do you want some beers? And I was like, fuck yeah. Ninth grade. And so I kind of walk over to the car and the guy lays on his horn as I get up next to the car. Now there's a big group of people lays in the horn and he goes, no, I won't suck your dick. <laughs> and then took off and i was like and i was standing by their car like leaning down and everyone's like you just asked that guy to suck your dick and i was like yeah there was this asian comic chick in new york you probably know i forget her name but we were i remember one time we were walking around soho and she was just being funny and she we were sitting like we're friends we're just walking and she'd be like stop hitting me in the middle of like public and yeah. i would go stop and she'd be like i'm gonna do it again i'm like don't do it it's again not fine. That, that, <laughs> that never made me giggle like those those people that would do that like i had a buddy i had a buddy who named eddie oddly enough i remember would, the eddie stories and he would he would try to out he would see who would fold like and he would try to hold my hand in public in front of people like when people would yeah. be and i would i never would fold but man he could take it to the next level where i i sucked his dick one night no, I'm kidding. <laughs> my brother-in-law and I held hands one day in front of my father-in-law. So it's like he's married. I'm married to the guy's daughter and he's married to the guy's daughter. And he's goofy. Oh, that, that your father-in-law has two daughters. Yes. Okay. And my father-in-law is like a big, burly, manly man. Yes. And my brother-in-law is a goofy, like really goofy. What's he do for a living? He's an accountant. But he's just okay. like an idiot. A man's and, man? No, more of like a man's lady. And okay. uh, he's, uh, but just like one day we're just walking and we're all walking in a group and I grab his hand and we start walking together. And to this day, I think my father-in-law is upset about his daughter's decisions. <laughs> like he, like there was no amusement at all he was just like you know it's like when you do gay jokes in front of a black guy and yeah, yeah. Really- oh don't ever do a gay joke in front of donnell like we did a whole set episode on the cabin of trying to get donnell just to do anything bobby and lee and i thought was funny <laughs> put stuff up my ass i mean i i look at that and, and donnell's like no bro no i don't fuck with that shit i remember doing when we were on reality bites back we tried to get gotten done they tried to get donnell to wear um 
leather booty shorts and he and he put them over his jeans he was like no nah, son i still got friends i gotta i gotta talk to my friends can't be i don't i'm not like this and i was in them i was in them no underwear balls hanging out leather vest put makeup on me i didn't give a shit and donnell's like no nah, i'm different than you <laughs> you know it's so funny like when you, i have my album coming out that i'm trying to promote and i message you and you're like sure come on every white comic i'm friends with was like sure what do you need how can i yeah. help you every black comic just joking, but the response was like, fuck you. <laughs> or go fuck your Donnell wrote, fuck you, son. Fuck you, son. <laughs> Every single one of my oh well, there's only one. But uh Every single one of my Godfrey, Donnell. <laughs> Godfrey, same thing. Artie, same thing. They were all like, fuck you, son. <laughs> God. Do you think I, I feel like I feel like my formative years when it came to learning how to tell race jokes was around those guys. And then it's interesting because you do do it knowing that's where, that's where the level is, right? Like New York city, you could get it, not get away, but like, I think in New York city, they appreciated a good fucking attempt at, at like being ballsy. It's so funny. Cause I always felt like you got that right away. I saw you and you, uh, cause I think you grew up, you're, you were in that like group that liked, I, I grew up like, white privilege, like not liking rap music. It came right oh, after wow. us where it crossed over and where we were just like, what is this new shit? And, uh, <laughs> and so, so you were already immersed in that at, where it was so foreign to me. When I went to college, I ran track and I was the only white guy on the team, like sprinter. Yeah. I was the only white guy. And it was, I came from a high school where there was like one black kid and his name was like Thurston, you know, like yeah. it was, it was really uh, different for me. And so they were really funny making fun of me all the time. And I had to figure out like, how do I make these guys laugh? And, and I don't understand their culture is different than mine completely. Yeah. And they would all fuck with me constantly. And I was just like, like I dreaded track practice, not for how hard the practice was, but for how badly they were going to terrorize me. <laughs> and um i remember my first track meet i i ran against a guy named james jett who was an olympian uh ran for west virginia and we all had to run the 200 meter dash and when we got there there was like 20 of us sprinters and there were like 20 heats of the 200 at this the hardy's invitational and i get there and i'm like everybody's like who's gonna run james who's gonna run james jett who's gonna and we had guys what that was were the like distance? 200 meters but i mean yeah, i yeah. i was a hurdler but they made us all run the 200 i had a smoking 200 time in ninth grade <laughs> in ninth grade i was like i had a i remember them being like you know if you work at this you could you could get and and then i just ended up playing baseball god i was fucking flying for the 200 and the four i ran the 200 and the four is hard that's a hard 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 in, race in ninth grade i broke a minute which is hard which is it's not it's not overwhelming you know like it's not like fucking stop the presses i think they run it like 42 seconds now or that's whatever. really fast in high school to break in ninth grade I in ninth grade that's it. really fast my dad was a my dad was i could be wrong on that now that i think about it but my dad was a track uh was uh like an olympic hopeful or something like he was a really he ran track in college so my dad taught me how to run the 400 and so it was like first 110 is a sprint uh next 200 is long lean breathing strokes like long like you find your pace and then the last 100 is a sprint. So, and so I knew how to run that. And like I was running fartlicks in in eighth grade, ninth grade, 
training for it. So I was training. I wasn't just out there running. And then, uh, and then baseball. Where'd your dad run? Villanova. Okay. Yeah. We competed against Villanova. So, um, when I, when I learned to run the four, because the 400 was one of my events and the 400 hurdles, when I ran the 400, my, my eighth grade track coach, I think it was eighth grade. No, maybe it was my high school track. I said to him, I said, how do you run the 400? I hated it, but I was good at it. I said, how do you run the 400? And he said, I said, what's the way to stop? And he goes, well, when you come out of the blocks, you want the whole shot. You want to be, you want to beat everybody out of the blocks. And he goes, you got the turn. You're going to run the turn as fast as you can. He goes, and then you're going to try to be out in the leap. He goes, then you have that straightaway. He goes, that straightaway is right in front of you. Just sprint that as fast as you can. He goes, now you just have the last, (laughs) you just have the last turn. He goes, run that as fast as you can. And then you kick. And he goes, and then all you have left is that straightaway to the finish. And you go as fast as you can. And I was like, so I sprint this whole, and I used to, it was the last, like, I think the four by 400, which I ran a lot was the last event of a meet. And I used to just sit with anxiety the whole time. And again, it wasn't about my performance. I haven't thought about this in probably 20, 30 years. Was the 400 the last event of the day? The four by 400 was. The four by 400. I ran the four by 400 also. Yeah. And that was brutal because not only did you have to perform well, you had to perform well with the pressure of three other guys going like, don't let us down. Yeah. And, uh, and that they did that to me at Pitt. It was terrible. But the story about James Jett was he beat me so badly in the 200 that I could like, I mean, he was like 10 meters away from me, which is far in the 200. Yeah. And when we got on the bus to ride back from West Virginia to Pitt, the coach put the videotape in back. That's how long ago. Put the videotape in on the bus and played my race over. This is a coach did this. Oh my God. Over and over and over. And they just, I sat in the front of the bus. It was like reverse. Like I'm in the front and they're all in the back and they're all just cackling. And they kept saying, Eddie, if got waxed, wax on, wax off. You know, what's interesting is when I think about, I haven't thought about track in forever. And it was such a huge part of my life because of my dad. But I I, never knew your dad was a a good track. Villanova's great. Oh yeah. That's, that's my dad's the one who's like, uh, you could run a marathon. No, no training. Just do it. Just do it. Yeah. Any, anyone can do it. And so when I did that, you said, you know, train, that was training. What's that for the marathon? Yeah. Yeah. I told everyone I ran on treadmills. Yeah. But that's training. No, but I didn't train. Like, you know, you're supposed to train like, yeah. Run 13 miles, run, you know. I, I never did that. any of that. I just ran like three miles a day. I think that I ran a 68-mile race. and uh, Yeah, your fucking sports are kind of, uh, are kind of confusing to me because you are a legit skier, surfer, crossfitter, uh, uh, distance runner, uh, like ultra marathoner. Like you're, and, I, and it's so funny. I think if people, you're in great shape, but I don't think people see you as a sports guy no because i i did sports radio and i detested it because the last thing i want to do is talk about any sport that i can't play so i don't want to talk football i don't want to talk about baseball i don't want to talk about basketball how come they don't have sports radio where they talk about i'm i watch more i know more about ultra marathoners yeah it's than i do or surfing like because it's such a niche thing like nobody likes it and it's it's so weird. I know everything about surfing. I like, I love surfing. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed with surfing and I do not surf. I mean, <laughs> I, I, it's fucking crazy. But like, I know so much about surfing and I do not surf. And like, I have surfed and I can surf. Like I I'm can. A- I'm absolutely obsessed with it to the point where like, uh, 
I think I'm getting to be known in the surf community with all the like pro surfers as like, here he comes. <laughs> you know, like, oh no. Uh-oh. Go Wait, what, what, what pro surfers? Uh, my, I'll tell you my favorite pro surfers. Um, favorites to watch. Well, I, he, he's like a friend of mine, so I don't want to give him any credit, but, uh, it's like one of those things where I like to like make fun of him. So I don't like to give him. Like, yeah. So I don't even want to say his name like that much. Who just say it. Uh, no, I'll tell you, I don't want to give him any, like just say it, cover your mouth and we can bleed put out. No, I'll tell you it's Albie Lair. Albie Lair. Albie Lair. Yeah. He's, um, he's a big wave surfer and, uh, I just love, he's a big wave surfer, but he also can do really good aerials. Italo Ferrara is probably wow. the best surfer alive. I think, uh, John, John's great. Yeah. Uh, Kelly's my all-time favorite of all. Yeah, time. Well, like everyone. I mean, that guy, I grew up in Florida, so that guy was like he's a my, hero he's, to all he's, of us. He's my idol. And and it's funny, like uh like a month ago or so, I get this uh call from one of my best friends that owns a restaurant in Indonesia. And uh he's like, Eddie, look who I'm with. And it's later, and he's like, and I was supposed to go there. And he's oh. like, and it's later going, Eddie. Don't come here. Nobody wants you here, Eddie. <laughs> and I'm like showing all my, I'm like, Kelly Slater said. You're taking pictures, pictures, pictures. Oh, I'm, I'm, plan, I'm planning a trip. I don't know if it's going to work, but I'm planning a trip with Nathan Florence to go to, uh, in, uh, is it Tahiti? Well, t- what What's do you want to say? Bi- what that wave? big, thick, well, there's a whole bunch. Oh, oh, that's Chopu. So is that how you say it? Chopu. Yeah. I thought it was Tiapu. Well, Chopes is the nickname for it. And, uh, uh, so here's what happened to me. I was, uh, I met Albie Lair. I hosted the, um, surfer pole awards and, uh, afterward I kind of bombed cause they put me up. You're going to bomb like well, any of those. I never do any of them because I go, I'm not set up. My comedy isn't good for that. It was, I wrote jokes. I knew everything about every one of them and I roasted them. Oh. And I even went up to, I think I went up to George. No, I went up to Matt Wilkinson before. I'm like, Hey man, I'm going to make some jokes about your partying. And he looked at me like, why would you do that? And I was like, so afterwards I'm taking a piss. And it was funny. Like all the bad boys of surfing were coming up to me like, man, you're fucking funny. Yeah. And, and like all the corporate guys were like avoiding me like the plague. <laughs> and, I mean, I did one joke about, uh, Alana Blanchard. Do you know who she is? Oh Yeah, of course. So Wait, she's she is was Alana Blanchard friends with the young lady who mm-hmm. yeah yeah um, I said uh, that lost her arm uh, yeah. Bethany Hamilton I said uh, I think it was like my opening joke I said Albie Laird uh, this year did arguably the greatest move in surfing he did like a seven twenty it was five forty so it's arguable how much he rotated but I go it's arguable that it's the greatest move in surfing I said I think it's number two to Alana Blanchard's duck dive. <laughs> because she's always got this yeah. thong and i got booed and oh, i bet surfers are very woke very and the the cameramen aren't even allowed to focus like on a girl's butt or no commentator can talk about it or make reference to it oh, i guess they all kind of yeah like i guess they're i guess that's like uh if if someone was like man i tell you what i love about sarah silverman is her tits that's oh, what she's God. good yeah, and you'd be yeah, like you'd be yeah. like first of all she's one of the best comics yeah, yeah. in our generation I don't, I don't even know if she has big, I don't even know if she has big tits. But the funny thing is I heard Sarah saying something about like recently about being considered a female. Co- and I see women say it all the time. If I get called a female, com- I've never looked at Sarah as like a female. Com- I'm like, she's a comedian. I've never looked at her in, I've never, I mean, this is going to sound silly. And I think you'll probably agree. I've never looked at her in my league. 
Like she's always yeah, one league ahead of me. She's like the, she's a fucking she's, like she's fucking yeah. I'm scared of her. She's yeah, so I don't, funny. I don't definitely yeah. don't think of her as. But she, I don't think of her as a female. I, I mean, I guess maybe I do see her as a. As, she was the first comic I ever saw where I went. She was wearing sweatpants and like a fucking NYU sweatshirt or something at the Boston Comedy Club, and she murdered. I, I, I didn't. Saw, I saw her on Caroline's Comedy Hour. Her and Rogan, and they were the two that were dirty. And I love them both. I was like, this is before I even started stand up. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, they're saying shit. I've never heard comedians say Sarah, on TV. Sarah is fucking epic. I love, I love Sarah. I love Janine Groffalo. I love, but I don't, I mean, I guess you could say I, I'm certain they uh, identify as female comics because they're, they, they're, I'm guessing every fucking male comic is a fucking piece of shit. That's all that I've can assume based on being a male comic i i mean i remember i remember what's his name's uh Marin's ex-wife rolled in to start mishna, mishna wolf mishna, mishna and i do remember how many people wanted to have sex with her like how many people were like like cock blocking each other and just fawning all over and you're i just like, talked about this with my friend most guys i remember one time who was it uh april macy or one of my friends yeah now, april macy me, was someone said to me was like, oh you're one of those comics that got into it to get laid and i'm like isn't that why every male does everything is to attract the female species? I was with a group of comics and and uh, a, f- a female comic. I only say female because it's important. I gender her in this story. Said any comic who tries to have sex with his fans and leverage that power structure is a pig. And that is sexual assault. And I was with a bunch of guys who are all alt comics. And they were like, <laughs> we can't fuck our fans. And I was like, I was like, I've, I've been married. I've never been able to fuck my fans. And they're like, hold on. We're not allowed to fuck our fans. Like, hold on. Like, and you can see it in their head. They're like, the only reason I got on stage is so women would find me attractive. Like the only reason I did this was to fuck people that find me funny. Like I've never been able to fuck people. I need them to know I'm funny. So I got on stage. Like it was, I was li- watching them. That's, that's not, that can't be right. And they're all fucking. I know woke. it's like, why do it? Why get into it? Like. It's too hard. It's too I hard to fucked one person that found out I was, I was funny once, but I was too young to for there to be a power dynamic. I haven't found one person that's found me funny. So <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been able to fuck anyone that found me funny yet. Yeah, my I, wife doesn't even find me funny. My wife definitely doesn't find me funny. <laughs> I said a joke last night. I said, you know, you're bloated when your wedding ring is too tight on your finger. And I wasn't wearing my wedding. And she goes, you're not even wearing your wedding ring. I said, it's all my, I go, you're, you know, you're bloated when your wedding ring doesn't fit. And she goes, you're not even wearing your wedding ring. I said, it's all my necklace. And then that bloated. And she goes, <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. She goes, I don't get it. And when I, Bert, she's from the South. Yeah. Fucking no shit. <laughs> my wife is too. Oh, anyway, wait, so wait, go back to, go back to surfing. Oh, so, so I'm, I, so, I really so, think, I really think just so you know, I genuinely think I could get towed in. Okay. So before you go, cause I heard you say this. I, Albie and I met in the bathroom at the urinals and he goes like this, dude, sorry for surfers. We're really dumb. And I, he goes, you want to do a shot? And I used to have this regular gig that I did over in Oahu at the North shore. Yeah. So I went and I, and I do shots with him and we party all night. And then I saw, he came to my show at the comedy store and then, uh, and then we hung out a bunch of times and partied. And one night we were out with the editor of surfer magazine, who I know who, uh, hired me. And what's his name? Uh, Todd Pradonovich. There used um, to be a guy named Jesse that used to, uh, that worked for surfer that would send out these 
tweet these texts to people. Do you, never mind. Keep going. Keep going. Anyway, long story short, uh, Albie made fun of me. I broke my elbow one time surfing with him. And uh, my elbow just like cracked off the elecranon bone. And I didn't even wipe out. I was paddling. And he's like, what the fuck? And I, so he's joking about that. And he said something about like me. It was like two foot surf. And he's like, you couldn't even surf a two foot wave. And I go, well, I'll have you know that man's greatest fear is speaking in public. So what I do is much more dangerous than what you do. And Todd said, oh my God, this is great. He goes, Albie, and this started five years ago. He goes, Albie, we should get you to do stand up because he's really funny. Yeah. And he goes, and Eddie will get you to surf a big wave. So I agreed. I and see, I said, I want to see if I, if I follow him on Twitter. So I agreed to go to baseball Albie, A L B E E. So I agreed to go to Toto Santos, which is this big wave out in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, I know. Toto and I was going to surf Toto Santos, but they wouldn't let me tow in. You can't tow there. So why, then, why, why? Who, who, who? Because uh, it's just, it's like they don't, they don't, they don't want surfboard or they don't want jet skis out there. Okay. Like guys that paddle in don't want you. It's kind of bullshit. It's well, like that makes sense. Mavericks, they don't want to, they don't want you towing unless it's really big. There's kind of rules about, to like unwritten rules about towing. So, so then they all talk me into, as they start this project, they talk me into doing Jaws. And they're like, you're going to tow Jaws. So cut to, it's been five years now. I have done all the breath courses. I have done, uh, I've gone out with, done the towing, done the practice towing, gone to the big waves, gone to everything. And about three weeks ago, I went down to Hawaii to Jaws and a big swell was coming. No. And uh, Albie is like, has written like two jokes. <laughs> like He's so not and he. As soon as the pandemic happened and uh, surfer magazine went under, uh, my first text was like to Todd and, and Albie and I go, I guess I'm off the hook. <laughs> and you know, cause I told them all the whole time. I said, if I get there, I've got kids. I see this thing. Yeah. Oh I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pulling out. And, but, but I don't you think, hold on, just keep your, tell your story. And then I'll, yeah. So, Albie, when we were being interviewed, because they were going to do this like seven part series on it. Albie goes, I go, you don't understand, Albie. Mine is way more dangerous because I could die. Yeah. I could like die doing this. But I practiced the vest, inflating it underwater, you know, everything. He goes, no, no. He goes, I could really die. He goes, I go, what? You could just bomb on stage. He goes, yeah, but I'll kill myself if I bomb badly. <laughs> and I'm like, it's not the same, dude. You don't understand. You'll feel horrible. I'll die. Like I'll yeah. die. So a bunch of my friends, like I'm friends with this guy, Jamie Sterling, who won the big wave awards. Jamie's like, just let me take you. I, he goes, you're going to, he goes, I know you, you're going to love this. And it's going to become like an addiction of yours. And when I did do towing, I wasn't towing big waves. I was going off Camp Pendleton and just doing like overhead, like maybe a couple feet overhead. And I was like, I fucking love this. Wait, so, so what is the difference between like, I mean, I know the difference between paddling and towing, but I feel like you could, I feel like, a, there's a bigger level of people that could tow into a wave and ride a wave successfully. Way easier to tow it. Way easier. Way easier to tow in because you paddles where you the you take the drop where it's scary because you got to uh, you got to get part. from the down position to the up position, which is where the perilous point. That's where your that's your danger point. And uh, and if you're not going fast enough or you haven't paddled hard enough and you you get yourself at a, a a point where the the wave's breaking on you or or you know you're you're not deep enough, whatever. There's so many different things that can happen. Whereas towing, 
they're pulling you into it. How fast are you going when you tow? Because that's the other thing I go. I'm, I watch Kyle Lenny a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, like, he had a really big summer or winter. Yeah. And uh, he, I, I, I see them tow in and I just go, well, I could do this. And then before the wave starts breaking, just get the fuck out of it. Well, it's, it, well you're trying to go for the shoulder. It's, it's like snowboarding with an avalanche chasing you. But what you have to understand is the wipeouts, I, and I've had some bad wipeouts. I've surfed all over the world in the Maldives, in all over Australia. I've surfed every wave in Australia. I've surfed, um, uh, you know, uh, New Zealand, uh, Hawaii, every, uh, South Africa. When you get held down, even for a little bit, it's fucking scary. It's terrifying. And I have this, I've, we've talked about this. I have clethrophobia, which is a fear of being trapped. And there are times like these guys talk about it. I've never been held down like this, where you are being pushed by the wave onto the reef or the ground, like the sand underneath you. Like it's holding you onto the bottom. I said, I'll never go, do it. I'll never do it. I was like, how deep am I going to go underwater? And he's like, really fucking deep. Cause uh, Jaws is not a, um, it's not, it's not like a big, re- it's a deeper one. Like I'd rather surf Jaws than Pipeline. Cause Pipeline's like, you're going to smash on the reef. I surf the waves all around Pipeline, but I never surf Pipeline. So it was like, that's too scary. Yeah, well, yeah. That makes no sense. It's almost like, like, I call myself an average surfer, average. And like, there are guys that want to murder me for this experience that I've had and gotten to do. And, uh, and I have to like reiterate, like I'm a douchebag and this is why they're doing, it's almost like funny that I'm risking my life for this. But uh, there were a lot of people mad about it too. Like we talked about it. I'm like, are they gonna, am I going to upset? And they're like, yeah, because everybody wants that wave. And if you're out there and you tow into one that is their wave and you average surfer out there, well, like the best in the world. Or, but we were going to like, the goal was to get like the day before this, the big swell or the day like at, as the swell's dying. Yeah. And my other thing is I like to go left instead of right. And Jaws is a right. Yeah. And the left is even more dangerous because it's rocky, but I really like going left. And uh, like, I'm a much better surfer left. I've, I've just for the record, I've only gone right. Oh, really? So <laughs> yeah, I've never like, that's so how little regular. Folks. That's how little, yeah, that's how yeah, little yeah. amount of surfing I've done. Yeah. And so I can tell you that getting up on a, on a tow board is hard. Really? Yeah. If you're, if, unless you were like a really good wakeboarder or really good wakeboarder. okay, then you're fine. It's uh, it's just like wakeboarding. But uh, uh, I grew up water skiing, so it was like fairly easy for that. Step offs are hard, where you you sit on the back of the jet ski, and you they pull into the wave, and, and then you, you just, dive yeah. off, and then pop up. Those are pretty hard to. I mean, like a good surfer is like they're fucking easy, and I was like, this is fucking those, scary. Those kids are. I say kids because I think I mean they're probably a lot my age, but they're just so. You know, there were kids growing up when we were kids that like Sal, uh, Sal Carinante could get on anything and ride it immediately just yeah. better than anyone else. And you were like, well, shit, you should try surfing. And he's like, yeah. And now here we are growing up surfing, but not ever doing any good. No one ever was good at it. I mean, some guys were better than others. I just, I, I sucked. I mean, I, I really sucked. And, uh, but Sal Carinante got up first time fucking yeah, i've seen guys do that i've taken guys to surfing and they get right i found it of all the sports i've done uh surfing maybe the hardest uh i tried uh windsurfing and i found that really hard too yeah um 
it just, but I, when I went windsurfing, I had the wrong size kite or wrong, wrong size, uh, sail. And I was just getting the shit kicked out of me. I went windsurfing when I was a kid in, I don't know. My dad got me windsurfing lessons and I was maybe eighth grade and I, I thought it was awesome and then never did it again. Yeah. It looks, I don't know. Like I found snowboarding simple. I found like skiing came very easily to me. Uh, a, a lot of sports came easy. Golf was hard to get good. Like, cause yeah. I'm, it's not my mindset. Like to, I'm like a really bad golfer. And I started when I was like four, you know, like my, really? dad, oh, my dad, my brother's a scratch and my dad wanted me to be my dad wanted me to be a football player and a golfer and neither of them did I oh i golf came to me very quickly um with no lessons just uh very easily i don't know why we just all started playing at the same time me and my friends who's we were all playing baseball and our moms would just drop us off at babes of harris in tampa and you'd play in the morning have lunch and then play in the afternoon and then our moms would pick us up and then we'd go to baseball practice and for whatever reason, golf just for all of us came really quickly. And then still to this day, I could go out and play pretty handily. Like, I think people are always shocked that I'm as good of a golfer as I am. Cause I never fucking like, how play. good are you? I'm terrible. Oh, I'm, I'm good enough to play with, uh, like, you know, in a good skins match. Like I can, I'll, I can, I'll push a couple of them and maybe win a couple, but like I, I'm scratch, not scratch golfer. I'm sorry. A uh, bogey golfer, maybe. Like, so. yeah, I, I like to break a hundred for me is like, wow, yeah, what a I mean, good day. But, but it, well, if here's the thing is like, if you can, I, I say the first day I go out and play, I'll play really good. And everyone will be like, God damn it, man, you're good. And then the, as I keep playing, it gets worse. Yeah, uh, that would happen to me too. I get bored. Like I can yeah. do nine holes pretty well. And then 10, 11, 12, I have a group of guys that I play with who were lifeguards with me in New Jersey. And when I, they're the only guys I play golf with and I'll go to the East coast and they're like, Hey, let's play golf. And after about three holes, we are so drunk <laughs> that golf carts end up in lakes. Like oh, yeah. people, the, every single time you drive away, your, your bag has it's been unhooked <laughs> and you drive away with your bag on the ground. Well, I had a period of time. I had a period like a year, full year where I played golf twice a day every day for really? a year yeah yeah me and here gary, out here out here i joined a country club with gary valentine oh I and we uh we played every day twice a day we play in the mornings and then play in the evening you didn't every have kids day. then didn't have kids yeah and i was i got good like i got really good around that time i never knew this yeah yeah i was but and, and then there would be periods where i got really obsessive with golf i can get really obsessive with golf where i start playing a lot but I, play, I don't like to play with other people. I like playing by myself. I want to get back into it because I just feel like now I've figured out how to probably get good at it with like my mind because I've like worked on my mind a lot and yeah. breathing techniques and stuff like that, that I think I could focus better and also enjoy the peace and serenity of it where before that was like the antithesis of what I wanted. Now that I have kids, I'm like, oh, I mean, I could go somewhere and walk yeah. on green carpet for four hours away from my children screaming. And so I think I'd enjoy it now, but my wife has said to me, if you pick up another fucking hobby. Well, yeah. Cause you're also really big into CrossFit, by the way, I've been watching a lot of CrossFit lately, <laughs> a lot, like a lot. Like I could talk specific numbers with you about different <laughs> events where I go like, because I never, I'd never deadlifted in my life. I'd gone, gone to CrossFit and done CrossFit, but I never like, I have a meathead's 
mentality. Yeah. So like when I got to CrossFit, all I thought was, this is all shit we did in high school and you guys are all doing for your first time. And I don't have a lot of time for that. Like, I'm not investing in this. Yeah. I, I felt that way. I was like, I've already done all this shit in my life. I'm doing this to try to get in shape. And if I don't love it, I'm not going to be here. So like we'd go, we'd, they, you know, they say whatever the fucking thing was deadlifts. I'd be like, I, I didn't have any ego about it. Cause I, cause I just didn't have any ego about That's it. That's funny. Cause CrossFit's all ego. <laughs> and so I, I would say to the guy, Carlos was his name. Really cool guy. Which one did you go to? Uh, Horsepower? I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember. It was right by my house. Trying to think. Uh, LA. I, I don't know. Uh, look, Angelino's CrossFit. Is that right? I don't know. it. Anyway, the guy was, I would just be like, Hey man, just tell me what I'm doing. And he would be like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he'd be like, uh, you can probably do a hundred and i was like okay so i throw it on and then do it it wasn't until i started working out here where i was like i did dead we did deadlifts max out do you have was, a do you have a gym on the uh compound oh you ever see my gym yeah i want to see it oh you'll see after it's yeah. pretty awesome but it's i mean i gotta it's all you know it's i mean nothing like super heavy but like but we did uh deadlifts and i forget what what how much i did was it like 305 is that is that like a, that's heavy yeah I, I forget i really honestly forget so if um if i remember calling tom and being like what what can you deadlift and tom you know tom's dad yeah, i think you told lifter. me tom tom deadlifts a lot tom is his dad was like olympic power lifter oh i didn't know that yeah yeah and so his tom grew up around weights like that's just, he just grew up around him and he grew up around doing the exercises so he like tom with his busted knee and busted hand did like 185 10 times the other day uh -huh. and then sent it to me i was like and his form's fucking flawless like he looks great doing it um but yeah and so now i'm like really and i benched 235 the other day and i That's was good like, i have i have a terrible bench press but i don't know what i can still deadlift but i think i got up to 475 it's impressive i think i think i could probably it's funny i was talking to a guy like the dudes i hang out with you know are freaks yeah and um uh the funny thing is this thing called the, I was just talking to Rob Orlando the other day, who's a really, really strong guy that's been in the CrossFit games. Many, I do a podcast about CrossFit. Yeah, that's right. And I've been doing it for like, like 10 years. He said they had a cold deadlift bar in this gym that they just set up. And when you walk by it, you had to lift it. No warm up, nothing. You just, and they just kept increasing the weight and everybody, when they would walk by, they would just pay. And I go, what'd you get it to? And he goes, I just right below 600. <laughs> Jesus. Cold. Cold, like it's one thing to warm up. Yeah. Like when I did 475, I probably did, you know, 300 for a while, 350 for a while, 380, then, you know, get to 405, 410, 415, you know, like just walk up to almost a 600 pound deadlift. That's and just, insane. Yeah. There's freaks of strength. And I've, look, I get to see it and the, I got into it because you've been into it a long time. Yeah. What happened? Well, when I got out of track, I started doing triathlons. And I hated triathlon. I hated triathlon. I'm doing the Ironman this year. Just Are you out. really? Like you said, no training. I'm I'm training. I train every day. But I'm going to do the Ironman without like real Ironman training. Like I like to mountain bike, so I probably won't do a lot of road biking. Yeah. Um, oh, 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 fuck. Oh, I road biked from, I bought a bike for the triathlon. Yeah. And loved the biking portion of my triathlon hated the swimming hated the running yeah. loved the biking i like the swimming it's kind of cool especially uh, if swimming it's in, was terrifying if, especially me. if it's in like a creepy environment i like it swimming was terrifying for me 
I, but it was a very life-defining moment, life-affirming moment. Which one did you do? Uh, some fucking Lake Castaic or something. Oh, yeah. Did you do uh, Olympic distance or uh, sprint? Sp- sprint. Uh, yeah. Clydesdale division. Oh. <laughs> That's what they call fat guys there. Guy goes, Clydesdales? And I go, what's that? And he goes, it's for you. And I went, well, what's that? Like older people? And he goes, big fur, guys. Fur, furry feet? <laughs> yeah. And so, but I love the biking. And then my buddy hit me up. Casey over at Preston and Steve was like, hey, we're riding bikes from uh, Philly to Atlantic City. Are you in? And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. Why not? What's that, about 100 miles? No, I want to say it's 65. Will you see how long it is? And I was like, sure. That's not, that doesn't seem that bad. How how long is it? It depends on where you are in Philly. It's probably 80 miles. It sucked. Yeah. Dick. And I said, I'll never ride this bike. Down like those country roads or, yeah. Oh, that would suck. It sucked. I had anal sex with the state of New Jersey. It sucked. The road sucked. Biking didn't just fucking. Biking and my asshole was raw. Yep. 62 miles. I think it was 65 is what we ended up doing. And it was, I mean, that last run into Atlantic City where you're, where the wind is blowing at your uh, face and you're going over the bridge. Uh, oh, fuck that. That was so hard. This podcast is brought to you by Tushy. I am in Georgia without a Tushy and I'm losing my mind. See, It's not just about cleaning shit off your ass. Sometimes in the South, you get a ton of juices on your asshole. It makes it itchy as shit. And then you try to wipe it with toilet paper and it's just not worth it. I'd rather have water, clean water, cleaning my ass all the time. Think about it. If if you had ass juice on your sleeve, would you just wipe it off? If someone pressed their ass onto your jeans, would you just be like, oh man, you get a new pair of jeans. You get water to it and soap and you clean it. You wouldn't just smear it and spread it with, God damn it, as if poop wasn't about summers all here and, and we've all got ass sweat, butt sweat, swamp ass, you name it. In the South, we called it swamp ass. Get yourself a precise, angled, steep, steady cleaning stream nozzle that cleans itself. Starting at only $99, Tushy Bidet installs in under 8.5 minutes and requires no electricity, no additional plumbing, so you can just have a clean ass all summer. Attach Tushy to your existing toilet, drop trowel, and watch your anus say, wow, if you don't love the idea of cold water on your bomb, get the Tushy 3.0 Spa, or the Spa 3.0, for an added bonus of temperature control. Mmm, warm, clean buttholes. Are you kidding me? I'm telling you, this will change your life. Go to hellotushy.com slash burkcast to get 10% off your order and free shipping. Everything is curbside. Everything's on demand these days, whether it's movies, my freaking doctor visit, uh, I, my lunch will be coming any minute now, curbside. Uh, everything is is dropped off, delivered, and, and super touch a button. And your customers, if you have a small business, have grown to expect a simpler way of doing business, no matter what your product. That's why more than 90,000 local businesses of all sizes have turned to Podium. Podium makes doing business as easy as sending a text because when texts get open, business gets done. All your employees can text from a single box offering a smoother experience for your customers. Answer questions, answering questions, send a text. Collecting reviews, send a text. Scheduling an appointment or delivery, send a text. Payment or collection, just send a text. Car dealerships are, are selling more cars by offering text messages. There's a dealer that just sold a $50,000 truck in four text messages. Home service providers are responding faster and winning more jobs than their competition. Retailers are increasing revenue by allowing customers to shop via text messages. Local service professionals keep clients longer, collect payments faster. A dentist in New York just had a million dollars in overdue collections. Send everyone a text, bam. Payment requested, $700,000 in two weeks. Today's customers expect on-demand everything 
even from local businesses. Stay ahead of the competition with Podium. They have free plans for growing businesses, plus all the power growing businesses need to scale. Get started free today at Podium.com slash BERT. That's Podium.com slash BERT. So the Ironman that I said I was going to do, um, so I was looking at all the different Ironmans to do, and I was like, if I do, after I did my 68-mile run. Because they have a bunch set up around the country, right? They're all over the place. And the weird thing is I went to sign up, and they're all sold out. Really? They're all, like, and that was my whole thing is, like, I see these guys that do the Ironman, they get the tattoo, and they buy all the merchandise. And yeah. They're like, I'm an Ironman. And I was like, oh, I'm going to fucking, and I, I know I'm going to get my ass kicked, and I'm going to probably eat my words because I was like, ah, I'm going to do this with fucking minimal training and blah, blah, blah. So I said, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to look for the hardest, scariest fucking Ironman. So I started Googling. Oh. And I found out there's this one in Norway called the Norseman. You swim in like 50 degree water. Uh, and then God. you just ride these like hilly, icy roads. And oh, then you're So I went, I hate surfing in cold water. So I was like, fuck that. I just don't want to like, be miserable because so then i looked up the the second hardest one is the bear man uh-huh. out of france and these aren't registered ironmans but they are ironman length distance but much fucking harder yeah and you literally you swim you start at night you swim at night and then because you're going to go a lot longer than an ironman because of the the oh, of the of the altitude night? then your bike is a stage of practically a stage of the tour de france so you are going in those mountains oh my God. and I live in the mountain, you know, like the mountains that I ride, I do, yeah. you know, vertical feet, like every day, like a couple thousand up and down, up and down. I was like, Oh my God. Like these guys are going to ride 112. That's like, insane. I, insane. And I was like, how do you do this? And then you run in the Hills like that. And it said, you have to completely like, there's no aid stations. You're completely like packing your own stuff and having your own stuff. It's just supposed to be, they only let like 200 people do it. And I was like, this is what I should do. I should do this because like, if I can do this, I can do anything. Yeah. And uh, so I, it's one of those things where I have to like be calculated and think like, at what point might I die? And then how much life insurance do I have? Like, do I never I, see that's my problem is I never thought through, I never thought you could get hurt doing any of these things. Oh, fuck yeah. And then, and then when I did the, the, the triathlon was the funnest thing I ever trained for. And I trained for it. I trained for it with men's health. Like they got, oh, me, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. they got me like a trainer and he get, told me what to do. And so I loved swimming. I loved it. The I, training or the swim. In the, I love the swimming. What I would do is I go, there was a, there's a place on, um, um, is it on riverside on moore park maybe there's like a place where it's no 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 it's on uh yeah it's on it's on riverside and you just and it's and it's a pool and it's got an outdoor track oh, and nice. so i would just go i'd ride my bike down there I, which is it was only three miles from my house ride my bike down there swim and then run and uh and i loved it i fucking loved the training and then when i did the triathlon I was very anxious because I didn't know anyone there. That's what the race is. It kills you. It fucks you up because you can't sleep the night before. Couldn't sleep the night before. Hadn't drank in like a in like two weeks. Yeah, it's terrible. It's a terrible feeling. And then and then they and you don't know like I was just lost. And then they we did the swim and I got out. I got out like doing the swim, going like pace yourself, pace yourself. It wasn't a very long swim. It was like a sprint triathlon. And I get out and I'm like touching the toes of the guy in front of me. I'm like, what the fuck's this guy doing? Like, and then I look, I'm like, I'm in third place. I'm like, 
are you fucking serious? And I'm looking and there are people swimming on, in the wrong direction. And I'm like, are these guys fucking idiots? I was so stupid, Eddie. I thought like an idiot, I, I ran, I swam with the people in the pack as opposed to the people that were off to the side were just like, oh, I don't care. I don't want to get trampled. And when I got to the buoy, I did this move that I'd seen only seen online, <laughs> never attempted before. It was like a rollover turn. And as I rolled over, the guy behind me swam on top of me and pushed me down. And I started sucking in water. And I literally almost, I'm not even lying, I almost had to wave to a person on a paddleboard like, I'm actually dying. And then I sat there, I was like, hold on, you have swam your whole life, you're not going to drown right now. But you know, you start panicking, you're like, I'm exhausted, I can't catch my breath. And then I was like, get on your back, and just float, yeah. and, get, and just get yourself in. Yeah. And Leanne thought I did. The, the Leanne and the girls thought I was dying. One time, one time I was at a triathlon and uh, it was in the Bay in New Jersey. And I love to talk. And I'm just talking, talking away. And my captain of my beach patrol, my old beach patrol, happened to be there competing. So I'm having a conversation with him and we're talking, we're talking. You know how they put everybody in in stages? Yeah. All of a sudden, my mom comes over to me who's at the race with me and she goes, Eddie, and your, your, your stage is by your swim cap, like the color. <laughs> Yeah. I'm like yellow. My mom points and she goes, Isn't that your stage right there? And I look and they're all like, they're gone. Like they've swam. Oh my they're God. like halfway to the buoy where they turn around for like a half mile swim or something. And they're already like a quarter. And I go to the, my captain, I go, and he knows me as an idiot. He's like, You again. You know, yeah. and I'm like, I'll see ya. And I run as fast as I can to the starting line, which is like, hundred meters away. I sprint to there and I dive in the water and I sprint to like catch up to everybody. Oh. And then I get there and I'm like, eh, eh, <laughs> sucking eh, air. Eh, eh, and I've got to do this whole race then. And I'm like, Oh my God, I just destroyed myself in the first three minutes. So funny. Um, I was, my friend owns a place over in Hawaii, uh, like this land actually right near jaws. And, um, he's like, did you go to my place? And I'm like, no, so he showed me on the map. He's like, look, I own all this land there. I go, why aren't you building? He goes, oh, like, it's so hard. Nobody wants to build because they break in and steal everything. Oh, for real? <laughs> yeah. Dude, the house I'm obsessed with is Jamie O'Brien's house. Oh, uh, because it's he's, right in your pipe. Oh, he's got yeah. like the baddest fucking house. Yeah. I used to joke. Um, we always wanted to go to the Volcom house. The Volcom yeah. house is where they have all the parties. And um, it's Jerry Lopez's old house. And Volcom, the, the surf company, bought it. And they put all their groms and all their young surfers in there, especially during like, you know, the winter months when everybody's surfing pipe and all the, the triple crown over there. And uh, I've watched all these videos of like life in the Volcom house. And I was like, God, if I was a kid, that would be like the place to be all these hot chicks everywhere. And but bands I bet, I bet you just get lost in the, you'd, you'd never become like be a good surfer. You just get lost in party and Yeah. It just looks so fun. Like they have these like, bands that play for free out on the deck and you know it, it's like the place to be so we used to joke i used to have this guy alex gray on my podcast he was a volcom surfer and we'd be like alex volcom house we want to go we want to be like the old guys there we just want to go and observe like all my surfing buddies and then when i did surfer pole i get off stage and like the head of the volcom team comes over he was an aussie guy and he's like mate you're fucking hilarious mate, fucking mate. <laughs> and they're all like dude i can come back to the volcom house and i'm like Really? And they're like, yeah, we're going to fucking party tonight. And I got my wife. She's like up in the hotel room in the bed. And I'm like, uh, how do I, how do I blow my wife? I think our daughter was with us. And uh -huh. I'm like, how do I blow that? We, and my daughter was with us. And I'm like, 
Is that bad? <laughs> I've, I've definitely tapped out. I've, <laughs> I've, I've left my daughters to go party at a fraternity house before <laughs> and just and just be treated like a god. These kids are like, dude, you're the fucking legend. And you're just like, I know, I know, I know. What do you guys need to know? I, I have one story I can't tell because the times and another one, <laughs> I was at Southwest Louisiana state doing a college show. Yeah. And afterwards, and I would party a lot with the kids. I liked, it. I would, I used to love it when I was younger. I used to love it. Yeah, I loved it. And then one time these kids hired me to do their college and they said, you know, the reason we hired you. Right. And I was like, no. And they're like, we've got DMT. We want to smoke DMT with you. And I was like, uh, you got the wrong guy. And I've never part. And then, and then there was like a time where I was like, where you, I think it was, it was before, even before like cancel culture. But I was like, I was like, I feel like I'm too old to yeah, be around these yeah, people. Yeah. There was a lot of that, but I still did it. Um, the uh, <laughs> Southwest Louisiana state, I was like, probably like maybe late twenties, early thirties. And these kids were like, after the show, they were like, and no offense to anyone that went to school there, but it's like, deep south like i didn't want i just wanted to get on my plane and get the fuck out of there yeah. and they were like hey come on we're gonna go out and have some drinks and i was like all right i'll just do it politically like yeah so i go and they took me to like this like convenience store where people were playing cards and we parked on the lawn oh, it was like man so then they said come on we're gonna go to a bar now so i went to a bar and they lined up shots on the bar and everybody's like 20 kids and there's 20 shots clear alcohol and I do it and everybody does it with me and I felt like I like was poisoned like I started burning and I was like what the fuck and I seriously had this like fear of like yeah. that they poisoned me and I go what was it they're like that was grain alcohol motherfucker and, oh, I did, that, like, and that doesn't taste well no I did like it a does, full shot of it doesn't taste good at and all. then I go I look at all these kids who did it and I go how did you all just do that? And the kid goes, we were drinking water. <laughs> and I'm like, Jesus. oh, great prank. So Got me. cut to full blackout, full blackout. And like, there are little, like when I say blackout, I don't mean like blackout, wake up. I've had that like probably twice in my life or three times. You mean like a gray out? Yeah, okay, gray out, where I remember pieces. Like I remember playing golf. I remember a barbecue. I remember just like roaming through a fraternity house. Um, then the kid the next day, like called me or something, the student there. And he's like, man, that was a night of all nights. He's like, when we ran through that wall, like we went through a um, drywall, like we ran in the fraternity house and it was like trash. And then we just ran through a wall, like a whole oh, bunch of us. Man. We cooked like creepy meat on a um they made a barbecue out of a shopping cart and oh then but here was the best he's like that was he's like the golf the golfing was hilarious they lived across the lake from the dean's house and i was teeing up golf balls and just hitting them at the dean's house just golf ball after i go come on he's like man he's like you must have hit like 50 golf balls at the dean's <laughs> house and he's like just <laughs> here you are with a beef against dean wormer and you don't even go to school there you're a grown man your kids are at the hotel but every, fuck you pig but every once in a while i'll get like an email from a kid from that school that's like remember that <laughs> i partied with this i partied with this company called palantir and uh what do they do they do like cybersecurity, I think. I th I'm not really certain. They do like security for the United States. And you did a corporate for them? I did a corporate for them. And uh, 
And I just ended up partying balls with these motherfuckers. And they were like, and they're all, I'm sure they're all billionaires now, all those kids. But they're all just like, you know, Silicon Valley kids that all lived in fucking in Maryland, you know, working for the government. And they had heard me on Elliot in the morning. They're like, hey, we want you to just come and tell the machine story. And so I was like, deal. I showed up. They're like, you want a drink? I was like, of course. And then all these kids are millionaires. And we just go in. I tell the machine story. And they're like, awesome. Let's go upstairs and smoke cigars. And they're like, have Cuban cigars. I mean, it was just like a dream. It was a dream. It was like so much fun. And then I felt But where were you? You were at- In Maryland. Like, but where? Where did they have the show? At their office. Oh, that's they awesome. They just brought me right into their office. And they were like, hey, we'll introduce you all the people. Took me around to all the people that, like, all the people that, you know, ran the company or whatever. It was awesome. And then I brought that company up the other day, and and uh, Nadav, who's with, you know, for Two Bears, One Cave, Nadav was like, uh, Palantir is like my my dream company. I, love <laughs> I don't know that what place. they are. What do they They're do? like, I, I don't know what they do. Do you know what they do, Halston? Cybersecurity or something? They helped me when this kid, I had a stalker. And, uh, well, maybe this is off the record, but, uh, had a few stalkers. I get, I get, I get, I, really, I get some really high end people that, uh, that dis that get obsessed with me. You're like, Oh yeah. I don't get any, st- I mean, I've had like some weirdos. I had one that was really weird that, uh, he was nice. And he was funny. And I'd have him like, he'd come to my show. We came to one show in Minneapolis and he was like really funny and got so fucked up. I put him in a phone booth on stage and then he started smoking pot in the phone booth while he was in there. And he was like the hit of the show. And then after the show, he was like making everyone laugh. And I brought him on the bingle bus and he was really funny. And and then he got weird. He got like, I know where you live. I know your wife's name. I know your, and he did. He like knew my address and, and he's like, I'm going to kill you. And I kept telling him, you can hear it on the podcast. It was like, ha ha ha. And then at one point you hear me go fucking stop, stop. And I went and he kept doing, I go, if you do it one more time, I literally told him like afterwards, I go, if you make a joke about that again, I go, I'll let you know if he's like, I'm coming to your house. I'm going to kill you in your sleep. I go like this. I go, I go, I'm not going to call like security, but I go, I'm going to kill you. Cause I was like, how can I like scare? Like it was, I knew he was joking and, but he thought it was so funny, but he it thought got to really commit to it. Was it got joke. to the point where I was like, this guy's maybe mentally ill to some point. So I was like, maybe I got to out scare him. So I was like, I hope you come to my house. Cause I'll fucking kill you. I'll murder you. Oh, well cut to, I go to, like I went back to Minneapolis, like maybe six months later or something. And uh, I get a tweet that says, if you show up in Minneapolis, you won't live to see 2018. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, and I call someone that knows him, and I'm like, is he, and they're like, yeah, he's fucking weird and blah, blah, blah. And like a week later he killed himself. Jesus. And that's when I got all, that's when I got a little weirded out. My partner on my Wadcast podcast used to be a, he was a SWAT team guy. And I was like, dude, he's like, you got to get a gun. You got I'm like, I'm not getting a gun. He's like, you need, to, you need to protect your family. You need to have a gun at your house. And I'm like, I'm not getting a gun. I was like, he's like, then get a dog. I'm like, I got three dogs. What, two at the time. And he's like, he's like, you got to get a, the right kind of dog. So we did that. What, what kind of dog? Well, I was going to get a Belgian Malinois. That's what, I think that's what Bernie Schaub got and then had to give it back. 
Well, that's it was like too fucking well, intense that, of a dog. That's what's happened. So I met, here's the funny, I, like I know a bunch of Navy SEALs from Wad CrossFit and everything. And this one guy was like, I know this guy who trains dogs for the SEALs. You need to get this. So I call this guy and I'm like, hey, I want to get, I want to get one of your Malinois. And he's like, all right. He's like, where do you live? And I'm like, up in Malibu. And he's like, okay. He's like, uh, my dogs go for like a hundred thousand dollars. And I'm like, did you, did you just say a hundred thousand dollars? Yeah, that's the one. That's, that's the kind. Yeah. And I said, did you just say a dog that lives like 12 years? <laughs> and I was like, I was looking for, uh, you have any like mutts? <laughs> I'll tell you what, I was going to spurge and spend $2,000. No, I really thought, because he's going to train them, I thought 10000 was justifiable because they sell like Frenchies for 5000 And if this thing is like trained to the hilt. And so then I found another guy that- It would be cool them. to have a dog where you're like, go check the door. And he's like, well, okay. If you see the shit Malinois do, I just saw one that runs up the street, catches a thing, does a backflip, lands. I, and I'm not joking. I'll show you the video. Yeah. I was like, this is cool. Then after talking to enough trainers and everything, because I was, this was like, I researched this for like a year and they were like, the only problem, the prey instinct of Malinois, you've got a little, I've got a two-year-old right now. They're like, your kids are wrestling sometime. It might see them as prey. It might attack your kid. Jesus. And I was like, not for a hundred thousand dollars. I was like, I'm not, I'm not risking it. So I have cattle dogs that are really good, really well-trained, really protective and everything. I started researching on all these ranch sites. I found this dog called a McNabb dog. Donovan? <laughs> it's, it's this dog. It's big, it's black, it's slow. I almost brought it here today. It's good in the pocket. It's, it's, it's only 16 weeks old, but it's, uh, I was like, I can't bring a puppy to his new house. But uh, <laughs> I just see it's like this, right? It's, they're like super trainable, but I Googled it the other day. And one of the things in the main thing, it says, these dogs are known to run a hundred miles in a day with working cattle. Oh my <laughs> so, God. Now it's the biggest nightmare ever. Like my, just, wife, my wife has to walk in the morning. I have to take it out. I take my little kid's motorcycle and, and just I run, run it. it beside me. And then I take it on a bike ride later. This dog does. It's 16 weeks old and it's doing like 10 miles a day. And it's still like doing laps around our house. And it's like, it, they're like supposedly like smarter border collies. Jeez. And I just wanted to be like protective, but also nice with the kids. Yeah. <laughs> and it's every. <laughs> I could, man, we got bull mastiffs. And the first one we got was so lazy <laughs> that we were like, this is the dog. Is that the one us. that needed like 42 surgeries? Five surgeries, <laughs> five surgeries, four legs, five surgeries. <laughs> I, I, and and she was perfect. And then we got a, a, one, another dog to keep her young. And this dog's a fucking psychopath. Ours was the opposite. We got our dog. We have a 12 and 13 year old. We yeah. got the, the puppy to hopefully keep the others. It did the opposite. It aged them. Oh, like in the last 16 weeks, my dogs have gone. Like they're like into retirement. They're like, Oh, is he someone, someone had the funniest joke. They go, I got a dog for, uh, I got a dog for protection, which is great. Unless you break into my house with a ball. <laughs> <laughs> I forget whose joke that was. That was a good joke. And so, uh, but that's Izzy. If you break into my house with a ball, she's like, oh, cool. Let's play catch. Why? Well, I and tell then, that on the show. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, and then we got this and then Priscilla died and Izzy was by herself. Oh, Priscilla died. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. It was How long ago? Uh, June. No. Oh, I'm sorry to hear Probably that. June or July, maybe. Wow. Fuck. Is it a, no, it can't be a year ago. It's gotta be like maybe October. Or so. I don't know. 
Yeah, it was sucked, man. It was sucked. Um, but we got another dog to kind of keep another Izzy. Mastiff? Another bull mastiff. Most beautiful dog in the world. But man, this dog is dumb as fuck and pisses on everything. Oh, Jesus. Leanne is livid. Yeah. She's like, yo, she's fucking. She's and he just gets up and just stares at her and just looks like the pistols on the couch. She's like, what the fuck? Pre-kids, women love dogs. Yes. Post-kids, women hate dogs. Because they're their priority shifts to the kids and like kids are enough trouble that the dog is then a problem. I think my wife likes the dog more than the kids right now. How old are your kids? Fucking now? 16 to 14. And we are in the thick of it. Really? Like just, yeah, but just everything. Cause you're, like you're scaring me so badly. Oh, I think I'm in hell. It's uh, it gets, man, you know, you, there's a moment right now where you say, I can't imagine that my daughter would not like me. Oh, don't tell me that. And then, then one day they just do not like oh you. Oh my god, that's like, like they don't worst. like you. They don't want to be around you. It's my worst they nightmare. They like go like, ugh, gross. That's like, my worst nightmare. Right now I have them. They have they have to give me a hundred hugs before I leave, and it's been a week now, and they still have ninety nine left. Like they just don't want to hug you. They don't want to be near you. I say you. to my wife sometimes, I'm like, will you just call your dad and tell him you love him and like hug oh. him and like go see him? And she's like, why? I'm like, because I want my daughter to always do that for me. Like, I don't want to think and to see you not like you moved. My wife moved to Australia away from her family. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't, I can't let my daughter ever do that. Like, Oh, Georgia, she's getting ready, looking at colleges and everywhere she wants to go is so far away. And I'm like, why? She goes, I just want to be far away from here. And I'm like, why would you want, what's wrong with you? I drive by Pepperdine every day. It's right down the street from us. Oh, it's cool. And I point at it and I go, that's where you're going to college, Izzy, and you're going to live at home. <laughs> I want Georgia. I go, why don't you just go to community college, get good grades, <laughs> go to like, sp spend one more year here. Like, I'll, I'll, don't worry. I'll pay for everything. Like, yeah, she wants to go to either Oregon or Boulder or two choices or somewhere in Maine. And I was like, why would you want to go to fucking Maine? As long as it's like a major city where you can fly in and out of it's fun. But like when they have to drive three hours to the airport and you're never going to see them. Why the fuck? I go, why would you like nothing against Maine? But Maine's like anyone who lives in Maine knows it's Tell not her, it's I've not the Stephen King novel you've read. I've performed in Maine. I've performed colleges. in Maine also. Maine has the scariest people I've ever seen in my life. It's like West Virginia, but uh, West Virginia, but on the coast. There are great places in Maine. Don't get me wrong. Beautiful places. But then there's also not. That, we don't have to talk nice about it. You're never going to be big there because Bob Marley has it con cornered. I did Maine, I did Maine <laughs> recently with Shane Torres. It was me and Shane did Maine. Uh, I forget where in Maine. It was Portland, Maine. Uh, we did Portland, Maine. And fucking awesome show. Bob Marley has that place down. God, man, he does. Like, like it's its own country. <laughs> It's such a smart move, man. Like, so like, think about it. Like how much money do you think? Do you think he probably makes more money than the average comic and just doing? Oh, way more. Yeah. I worked with him once. I did a college with him in. Bob Marley, for people that don't know, is not the Bob Marley you're thinking of. No. And he's one of, he's hilarious. He's one of the funniest comics I've ever seen. Hilarious. Work. He can tell a story and do, and, and he's a great storyteller and he's so talented at like making you see the characters in the story like he's so good but he he grew up in maine he was a big deal in maine and then came out to la did a bunch of stuff did yeah, a lot a, of stuff had a lot going on and then just moved back to maine it's kind of like justin mckinney did the same thing to new hampshire is that is he in new hampshire he's in new hampshire and he's 
Look, like now the way this is and the internet, you don't need to be anywhere. There's no reason to no. be in Hollywood at all. There's reasons to be in Hollywood. I don't think so. Like it is if you want to pursue acting. If you I, want to, if you want to make movies and and if you want to make movies, you got to be in Hollywood. I think. Yes, and not if you're big enough. No, not if you're big enough. But if you're at, at where we are, if you are interested in making movies, you kind of got to be here. I mean, I, honestly, it it has it hadn't. I don't think so during the pandemic. But I think when things open up, I think Hollywood will pick back up pretty heavily, and and because I think they have a lot of money to make up. And there's a lot of projects that have been just sitting yeah. at bay. I think you got to be here I, for but for podcasting and, and shit like this. I, you don't need to be. I just love. Yeah, I love the Zoom podcast. I love. I I tried to move as soon as the pandemic happened. I was like, let's move to a ski resort. We'll just live at a ski resort oh, and it'll be great. great be? And my wife just shot me down at every turn. And I was like, come on. And I like I like land. I want I want like. 30 acres oh, i want yeah. i want property i want to live and like build like a compound like a real like i wanted i wanted to compound my entire life i went the other day my buddy bought a house i'm i'm friends with this guy he's a maniac his name's hunter mcintyre and he is uh i love hunter he's one of my best friends he lives up in malibu he is the uh seven-time world champion in obstacle course racing He's one of the fittest guys in the Obstacle world. Obstacle course racing. He runs a, he runs a, mar he's 215 pounds. He runs a marathon under three hours. He qualified for Boston this year. He runs a five. I, I commentated a race. He ran in a 10 K. He ran five minute miles the whole way. Like, and he's Jesus. 215 pounds. He can, he can, he, uh, deadlifted 500 pounds and then ran a five minute mile. He's a freak. Wait, is this guy have a, a, ch a YouTube channel or something? Yeah. 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 Wait, have I seen this guy? Yeah, probably. And he's I always, he's always on guy. my stories. I think I follow yeah. this fucking guy. So he bought it. He's an idiot of like all the comedians. We know he's a bigger idiot than all of them. Like I'm trying to compare him to someone. He's like, he's oh, maybe I don't know. He's this my guy. new Jason. He's a fucking interesting looking dude. Yeah. So Hunter McIntyre, I might have to give him a follow. So anyway, I like this guy already. <laughs> Subscribed. So breaking a sub three hour marathon. Is he a fucking big dude too? Strong as fuck. Um, so he broke the Murph world record, did it in 34 10 with without partitioning. Anybody who doesn't know Murph is uh it's in honor of Michael Murphy who died. He was lone survivor. He was one of the guys that stayed and kept shooting and died. And so they dedicated a workout to him, which is a run a mile, and then it's a hundred. 100 pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 air squats, run a mile with a 20-pound weight vest on. And uh, most people break it up and do 5, 10, 15. So five pull-ups, 10 push-ups, 15 squats, 20 rounds of that. But the, So they run the mile and then go 5, 10, 15. Yeah, 5, 5 10, 10, 15. 15. And that's how I usually do it. Hunter did it unpartitioned, which is way harder, way slower. You do the 100 pull-ups, then the 200 push-ups, then the 300 air squats. So... And the weight vest makes it a whole different world. I've done oh, it with, with and without the weight vest. I had panic attacks wearing a weight vest. Yeah. Well, imagine running that last mile with the weight. It's like brutal. Anyway, he he did it. In, he trained for it, did it in 3410. And he's he's just a freak of nature. Jesus. Freak of, Donald Trump Jr. did it and said he does CrossFit apparently. For real. For real. Said he did Murph on his Instagram. He goes, 
this was a few years ago. He was like, Hey, uh, had a tough, uh, had a tough one this year. Only did it in like, didn't wear weight vest and only did it in like 34, 17 or something. It was some, some time that he could like, like a pro time. Yeah. And everybody's like, um, you're a fucking liar. And like the, the comments just went oh, like man. bullshit. And then it was funny. It was divided. It was like, so partisan. It was like half of them were like, you're the man DJ, you know, D DT junior. And, the, and then the other ones are like, you fucking liar. There's no way you can do that. I see your 10 K time. You can't run a fucking I see your 10 K like, time. well, you can figure it out by somebody's like, if he said he did it in 34 minutes and his 10 K time, he's running like 10 minute miles. Well, there's yeah. 20 minutes, yeah, in yeah, two miles. So now you're doing what's called Sydney, which is the middle portion in 14 minutes. You can't do, that's not possible. So it was a lie. And then sure enough, he deleted the post and it's like, why you don't lie to the cross community. So nerdy. Yeah. But back to the compound. So Hunter just bought a place. He lives in a compound in Malibu. That is fucking amazing. With a bunch of other people. With these two, these two guys own this compound where they have multiple houses and they let people is stay it on there. the beach. It's up Latigo Canyon, like okay. up on this mountain. And it's amazing. And he can do all his training up there, but he decided he wanted to buy a house at altitude for training. Yeah. So he bought this house up in, up near Big Bear. And I went up there Saturday with my other friend, Bobby and uh, crazy Bobby, who's a nutcase too. So we drive up there and we're driving around and it's a weird town, Crestline, California. And it's weird. Yeah. And he goes, I met this lady at the coffee shop, my friend, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, she your friend? He's like, yeah, I met her. I'm like, she's not your friend. You just met her. He's like, let's go over to her house. So we drive up this mountain that during snow, there's no way you'll ever get up or down. it. Yeah. We get to her house and it's this, the best view I've ever seen in my life. It's incredible. Up on top of this mountain with this view of this lake. And not a house to be seen anywhere. She owns, and I go in and I meet this woman and she's this older woman and we start talking and there were a lot of crosses in the yard. And it, and when I say crosses, I don't mean just like the one you put over your bed. I mean, ones you could put Jesus on like, really? like that big. And when I say a lot more than five Fuck. and uh, you know, with like, like the drapes hanging from yeah. like my Bobby goes, that one's got the footboard. Like, <laughs> like, like I'm like, that one still has the nails in it. You know? <laughs> so we're, she's given us a tour of the house and it's all carved wood that her husband did. And he passed away years ago, coming to this big bedroom. And she goes, now this is where we did the Bible study. This is where the Bible study was all oh. the time. She goes, we'd have 43 people in this room. So we go down, we go through a secret door where like the bookshelf moves we go in. She goes, now this is the real fun. We go into the gun room and, you know, multiple guns. The guy owned so many guns and she was showing us like these guns that I had like never heard of. And then she goes, now this is the room where we made the bullets. And like, so then oh, she goes, wow. she shows us, she goes, so we do Bible study there, then target practice out there. And I'm like, I'm in like, I'm this, in like Waco. This <laughs> is, this is legit. That is that is the recipe for fucking uh, fucking Ruby Ridge. Yes, and I'm I'm in there, Hunter, Bobby, not thinking twice about it, and I'm looking at them like, do you know where we are right now? Like this is where it goes down. I got obsessed with Ruby Ridge for a little bit, and I'm like, Hunter, you moved into this town. There was a church every ten feet. I'm like, do you know who you're living with? I'm like, you Jesus. are in that town. 
gas or we went to the the grocery store not a mask on anyone oh no yeah 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 so wait did he move there to train and he's living there now he goes before the season starts and he trains it out to crossfit season uh ocr he races these races called high rocks and he'll do like tough mutter and spartan races oh those obstacle i was so confused when you said obstacle courses but he's an idiot he just went on a spartan the guy that owns spartan joe DeSena. yeah i know he, that guy. he just went to he was he was just on rogan oh that's how I joe that calls guy. him and has him do like dumb shit and he has him come he went to his house to wrestle an olympian and i'm like you wrestled in high school he goes yeah but i'm heavier than this guy and i'm in better shape watch the youtube he gets beaten like a minute really <laughs> this wrestler just fucking he's only got seven thousand subscribers i can't wait to fucking watch some of his videos his instagram he's got a lot he's uh he's really really funny what's his instagram i gotta follow him on instagram i think it's at hunt the sheriff i uh, see i can he did get... the beer mile so we did the beer mile but you yeah someone was telling me about what is that so you chug a beer run a quarter mile 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 I thought I could do it in eight minutes. It took me 10.55 the first time. The second time I did it in front of my in-laws and my wife's grandparents, and I puked in front of all of them. How do you spell McIntyre again? M-C-I-N-T-Y-R-E. M-C-I-N. No, M-C- M-C- I found him, I found him. Hunter Sheriff? Hunt the Sheriff, yeah. Um. So wait, so tell me about the beer mile, because this is an interesting one. Keep going. So you chug a beer. Run a quarter mile, chug a beer, run a quarter mile, chug a beer, run a quarter mile, chug a beer, run a quarter mile. It's got to be 5.3 or 5.1, I think, which is like Budweiser. Um, some people say bottle, some say cans. There's a world record. I had Corey Melton, the world record holder, on my podcast. What do you think he did it in? Uh, okay. I'm going to say six minutes. Okay. What do you think? How fast? Try 4.15. Look it up. I think it's 4.15. It might be 4. That's fucking insane insane so i let me i'll tell you my i can tell you my beer my well beer. i can tell you i tried it and it took me 10 55 hunter swore he could break six minutes so we went to malibu high school <laughs> i wonder what i could do he ran me. the first lap in 60 seconds he chugged his beer in eight seconds his second lap he didn't even make it a quarter of the way around and started puking. Are you serious? <laughs> oh, I wouldn't puke. I, I see. We it, did. We if did you puke. You get an extra lap. Oh, fuck that. We did. We, me and Matt Fultron went and did. They had this, uh, this bar run in Des Moines. Was it Des Moines? I think it was Des Moines. It might've been Omaha. And and they, it, no, it was Des Moines. And they were like, we're doing a, a bar run. It's a bar crawl. Um, it's a 5k and we're like oh cool so i tell matt i go this will be fun you i think you run for the first bar you've got to have a beer at every bar i'm guessing i've seen i saw something like this yeah. on man versus yeah. food so we get there and i go well we might as well have a fucking cold beer before we start I'm like, well, who gives a fuck <laughs> yeah we're just running to get not? another beer yeah we ended up having like six beers each before we even started the race oh jesus and they we get in the thing and we're like so what's the first bar we're stopping at and they're like what do you mean we're like, where's the first bar? Like, wait, should I just follow people? And they're like, no, 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 this is just a 5K. We drank like six beers each and didn't, and there was no bar crawl. It was just a 5K that ended at a bar and everyone was going to drink at the bar. And so we did it fucking wasted. Yeah, I did the I did the Las Vegas Marathon drunk. And really? shit-faced. I think I've told you this story. Um, I was in Vegas. Las was, Vegas Marathon is one I would like to do. It happens at night, right? No, it's you start in the morning. But I'm it's, thinking of the rock and roll marathon. That's what I did, yeah. I thought it, went, it happened at night. No, I started because I was drinking all night, all oh, night. Oh. Like one of those never went home. 
stayed yeah. up. So I was in a diner at like five in the morning asking people what they were doing, why they were all dressed. And they're like, we were on the marathon. And I started talking shit. And then this guy's like, yeah, you couldn't fuck. And I'm like, I'll bet you. And my buddy's like, go do it. So I, I, uh, I talked to a doctor about it. He's like, you're an idiot. You could have died. Yeah. Well, that's the thing I always surprises me is that you can actually die. If you go do a marathon hunt rate, like it's not, yeah, it's it, not smart. Somebody dies in like every marathon. There's yeah. like one person that dies of a heart attack in every one. I got to mile 22 and I went, Oh, I, now I know why people train for these because my legs are seized up and my, my quads yeah. were seizing up into my, oh. they were like seizing up. And I was like, Oh, that's why you, train I, had, for these. I had that the other day on a bike ride. My quads seized up. Cause I just rode too long and I didn't bring enough electrolytes. I seized up and I just like rode to the side of the road. I was coming back on a, and I lay in the like bushes hoping my wife might drive by. <laughs> Cause I, I, I was like, I was like trying to get them to unlock and I'm like, Oh fuck. And I've had that happen like a million times. And I'm just like, ah, and I'm like, I can't get home right now. <laughs> It is summer, which means bird dogs are back. If you don't know what bird dogs are, they are the go-to summer short, in my opinion. They're all in one. I get up in the morning, I put on my bird dogs. I go out to the gym because they have this great inseam. Uh, not inseam, in liner, great liner. <laughs> I work out on the treadmill. Get off the treadmill, jump in the pool with my bird dogs. They're a bathing suit. Get out of the pool, they drive so damn fast. We throw on a nice collared shirt, your bird dogs match with them perfectly. Nice, 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 uh white oxford in my opinion i've got two pairs of bird dogs i put in rotation non-stop they are the seersuckers and the american flag they're my favorite go-to short in the summer because you grill with them on you have a cold beer with them on hell if you drink enough you'll pass out with them on and here's what's great uh bird dogs if you go to birddogs.com and enter the code bert they're gonna throw in a free bird dog whistle tip football that's exactly like those little nerf footballs we had when we were kids it's the must-have beach toy or the must-have barbecue toy or the must-have backyard toy even if you have girls, boom, there, I said it. I raised my girls throwing footballs. That's right. That's birddogs.com. Use the promo code BIRD and boom, a free bird dog whistle tip football with your pair of bird dogs. You will not take these things off. I promise. So wait, tell me about what's your training look like? Like when you, what's an average day look like for you? It's like, always really random and different. I'll but... tell you my day today. And then you tell me your day. Like, like give me an average day. Today, I woke up legit hungover for the first time in a long time legit hungover we partied we did a big easter party here last night yesterday and i started drinking at like 10 30 11 30 and partied all the way until 11 o'clock at night i woke up at six feeling i mean i mean piss sweat coming out of me uh came over worked out with my trainer at seven to eight did a podcast at nine uh did a conference call. Oh, no, no, no. I'm telling you my day. But my training was, and then I'm going to run tonight. Uh, when I get home, I'm going to run. But my training was um, 2K row. Bot, we do, we're do. we doing boxing, uh, just fight training. And then um, 2K row, fight training. And then uh, 10 push-ups, 10 dips, 10 push-ups, 10 dips, 10 push-ups, 10 dips. Uh, shoulder presses. And then... Uh, and then what are these called? Those when you have the weight and you're doing a push up, but you pull it up to your body, uh, so like renegade rows renegade or something. Rows, yeah, renegade uh, ten renegade rows, ten squats three times or four times maybe, and then close out with three hundred rows in under a minute and push presses. It's way more than I do. And so I it was a it's a fucking beast. Sweat out all my impurities, 
felt amazing. Like, but that's what I'm doing that every day. You, like, you something. don't feel overtrained. I feel very overtrained, actually. You are. I feel really overtrained. <laughs> like are. today, my fucking my forearm started your, hurting. Your cortisol levels are what I'm worried about. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm, I'm very tendonitis, and yeah, if you're not doing to push if your extensors and your flexors. So your flexors, everything that you do, gripping will will create muscle I'm right here. I'm definitely not going to drink tonight. I, I'm really overtrained. Yeah. Well, overtraining is like you you got to just worry about your sleep. You got to worry about like I'm, I'm very like I'm very careful about my training. So wait, so then tell me about like what does an average day look like for you? Every day is different. Some days I might do like a like a Wendler thing where I'll go like 5 5 5 5 3 3 3 2 2 2 1 1 1. Is that you for know? weight training? And I'll just do like squats and then and that might be, uh, I'll do that. And I might do like a small run, yeah. you know, like a, like a two miles easy. Yeah. And then the next day might be uh 10 hundred meter dashes. Um, but I'll also do like sh work on my shoulders or something. And then the next day might be a three hour long bike ride. And then the next day might be, I go surfing and then I'll do, uh, uh, I'll do a CrossFit workout. It'll be like a 15, 12, oh, 15, 12, nine of like, uh, power cleans, uh, power cleans, burpees and, uh, pull-ups, you know, like Jesus. it's, so I'm very strategic about, um, not overtraining. Cause I used to try to do like two workouts a day. Every I day. do two workouts a day. I'm, I'm oh. definitely overtraining. Yeah. And so I, and just, I'm still fat as fuck. Well, that's probably cause your cortisol levels are through the roof. Yeah, I'm I I'm not sleeping at all. Yeah, that that your cortisol get your cortisol tested. Yeah, uh, did you ever get blood work done? Yeah, I get blood work done. Yeah, uh, but not lately. You, uh, uh, did you ever get a DEXA scan? No. What's yeah, that? DEXA scan will scan your whole body, tell you like where your fat is, where your. Oh, I know where it is. I don't need to scan to tell. Yeah, me. you'd be surprised. You'd really? Be surprised. Oh fuck yeah! I found like I had some in my hips, and I was like, how do I fucking fat in my hips? And um. It's just good, good to know your bone density. It's a really good yeah. thing to do. Do a DEXA scan. Uh, Body spec does them, um, and then do uh, inside tracker. We'll do your blood work and tell you like what you need to eat more of, what you need to eat less of. They're gonna be like less wine, but you'd be surprised how much you need like sodium, magnesium, potassium. Like there's stuff like that that people are missing out on so much. Like the sodium, magnesium, potassium thing is like. And just alcohol is a fucking killer. That's well, I'm I mean, not, it's a yeah. killer. It's That's so, why I'm training this hard is that I can't, it's kind of confusing, but I don't want to lose my lifestyle. I like my lifestyle. I have fun. But it's, alcohol, but I, I believe breaks down the protein synthesis. So like when you're look at our age, it's hard to build muscle. It's yeah. fucking all about retention of muscle unless you're taking testosterone. So it's really, really difficult. I'm building awesome muscle right now. Yeah. I like, uh, I'm, I added an inch to my arms and my shoulders today, I was. I said to Leanne, I like flex my shoulders. I go, I have shoulder muscles. Yeah, I have legit shoulder muscles. They'll all well, go away. Well, if you after. haven't done a lot of weight training, yeah, it's easy. Yeah. To, yeah. yeah. Oh. Oh. Okay. I'm, yeah. Like right away. Yeah. Just go okay. from zero yeah. to here. Yeah. See, I've done so much. In my, like it's hard for me to put on like a like any muscle at all. Yeah. Like all I have, mine's just like maintenance and like trying to retain. Like I'll do. I've got this. So I live in the mountains where it's like. I have these trails that are just unbelievable behind my house. Thousands and thousands of acres of trails, like horse trails and yeah. mountain biking. And so I'll go out there and I have all these loops. Like I have a, a one and a half mile loop. I have a three mile loop. I have a five oh, mile so loop. I'm so jealous. And I'll go run these and I have a five mile straight up the Saddle Peak Mountain. 
And I have this one called the Bulldog, which is a 15 mile loop that we do twice. It's a 30 mile loop. And you have to go up a thing called the elevator where you climb uh, about 3000 feet. I'm sorry, not 3000, 2,500, 2,500 feet in three miles. Oh my God. And it is brutal. And you, if you do the bulldog twice, which sometimes we do, you got to do it twice. And it's just, and then there's one up and one down and it goes into Malibu Creek state park. So, uh, which I live like right on the edge of and Hunter lives on the other side of it. I can actually like mountain bike to him. And, uh, and he ran the 68 mile with me. I ran the 68 mile run. I was the only non-professional the Tommy Hackenbrook, who was number two in the CrossFit games. We had like a Navy SEAL dropped out. <laughs> really? So what got you in? What got you into these ultra marathons? I just, cause that seems like such an odd, it seems like such a odd specific thing people get into. And then that's the only thing they do other than like Kim, Kim Haynes. I hardly um, trained for it. I just, hardly just, just, I did. I would run like, like three miles every other day. And then on like, weekends i would do like i did like a five miler a bunch of times then i did a 10 miler then i did a 15 then i did a 30 and then i was ready hunter told me he's like don't do he's like you're training too much he's like you want to be fresh you don't want to be hurt you want to be fine yeah that's that's the one thing i've i mean i feel like with running these days is i get so quickly like my body and i i just am not giving myself any time to recover so yeah. I'm, I'm trying to run two thousand miles this year and i'm just i'm that's just bad not, on your body i know well it's actually is it actually is bad on your body. And yeah. especially when you're 240, it's like a That's fucking- why I still run sprints. I go to the track and I'll run ladders like 100 to 200, 300, 400, maybe 500, 600, then 500, 400, 300, 200, 100. That's my workout. And I'm running at like three quarter speed. I love that. I love those. I do this. I do this app called Aptive mm -hmm. and they have the best runs. Akeem's the best, but it's it's like one of my favorite ones are like, he's like- uh, uh are your fans gonna just hate that we talked working out the whole time no oh. i'm not, not no not disrespectfully guys i don't really give a fuck it's like what, what do you want me to talk about cancel culture like fuck that's all anyone talks about any podcast you do is cancel culture and i'm so tired of it that i go i stopped looking at the the feed on my google because all it's it's just the fucking i just ignore it always because people are like aren't you i'm like no it's great i love it makes it look it, here's the truth is is it makes comedy fun again yeah it's fun and to navigate. we get to take chances i want to get back on stage i want to find out where these fucking lines in the sand are i want to push it's the boundaries great, yeah it's it's why you got into comedy in the first what, place what are you gonna cancel me no from one, yeah, i have no nothing one. to be canceled from yeah it's it's i mean I, it's it's just i don't know whatever i i like but i but i this stuff like this fascinates me especially because i think it's like one of the things that i don't think I know it about you, but I don't think people, a lot of people know just how active you are. Well, to answer your question of why I did the 68 miles, because I was like, I kept joking. I'm like, we should run one more mile to make it like 69. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody's like, you're a child. I was like, yes, I am. <laughs> um, there's a, there's a mountain range called, uh, with Santa Monica mountains. But if you start the Palisades and go, it's called the backbone, uh, trail. It goes from like Tomasco, you know, Will Rogers Park yeah. goes from there to Point Magoo. And so oh, wow. I was in Malibu during the fires when it swept through and burned our entire town down. And I watched it did. It never got into my neighborhood. It just came like to the edge of my neighborhood. And I watched the firemen. I would stand on the mountain. I never left. I stayed during the whole fire. They evacuated everyone and me and Hunter and Bobby. We are all there. And we watched and I would watch these firemen and everybody gave them shit because a lot of houses burned. 
but no one died. Like two people died yeah. and that was a fluke. These firemen are phenomenal and the shit they do is amazing. And I was watching them fly and my one buddy's a pilot. He's like, these pilots, they're coming through the canyons, like drive through Malibu Canyon. There were guys flying helicopters and planes, big fucking planes full of Foschek chemicals that they dropped that red shit coming through these canyons. And you're like, and he's like, dude, those are fighter pilots. Those are yeah. old fighter pilots to I become firemen. It. He goes, he, he's a pilot. He goes, I would never fly with these winds. I would never. He's like, and then you see these guys with bulldozers. They're the, they go, the firemen were telling me, they're like, they're the craziest fuckers in the fire department. They go in these like bulldozers and they go up where the fire's going on and they plow like roads to stop the fire from burning. But they go like, they're chained to each other. Like one will go like off a cliff practically down really? it. And then the other one will pull it back up. So it doesn't like fall off. And just, I'm watching these dudes and I'm talking to them and I'm all day long. And I was like, dude, we got to do something for these guys. So I was like, let's raise money. Let's, uh, and I was like, Hunter and I had always talked about it. Like, let's run the whole backbone. Let's run the whole backbone. And it's, uh, I think it's 17,000 feet of climbing. So that's the hard part. That Wait, people not, don't understand. not straight. No, no, but, just like, so you go up, down, up, down. So throughout the whole thing, throughout the thing, I think there were about seven climbs that were like 2000 feet. And people don't understand. I that. do. I definitely do. And the climbs were as bad on the backside coming down. That's where you get hurt. Yeah. And your knees are just going, oh, 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 the whole way down the back. I love the uphills because I wasn't in pain. Yeah. The downhills are where I was in tons of pain. So, you know, you're like in ultras, most guys, you, you take a strong, fast hike up the hill and then you run the downhills and run the straights. Yeah. And Hunter, there was, there was 18 of us that did it. Hunter was running to like the front, to the back, like doing loops. Like, I would love to have that con much control over my body Yeah, he's, where you're just dialed into your body. I've been there before in my life, like much younger, much younger, where I, I would run Runyon and I'd run up it and run down it and just feel great yeah. and then run home and then barely be sweating. I don't think I ever felt great. But this one guy, Tommy Hackenbrook, who played, he played, uh, in the national championship, he played for Utah yeah. uh, and he ended up becoming number two in the CrossFit games. He was with me the entire time. Didn't bitch once. <laughs> I made up. But the funny thing is out of the 18 that started, only five of us finished. Really? And yeah, everybody was dropping like flies. And I had listened to David Goggins book on tape. Can't hurt me. While I was training. And when he talked about stealing souls, Every time I got, we'd get, we had four places to stop to get like refuel and fill our water. Yeah. And every time we'd stop, that's where people drop out. They're like, oh, I'm done. I'm done. Yes. And as soon as one of these professional racers would drop, I was just like, I just stole your fucking soul, dude. <laughs> I was like, because I knew from the beginning, I was like, I'll finish this if I have to crawl. Oh, I, my mentality when I do anything like that is just do not stop motion yeah like do i would not take breaks i was just like do not stop the second you stop motion your body's like okay why are we going to start this up again i've 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 done so many of those stupid fucking things and i don't know why I, i'm driven to towards them whether it's like the fucking yeah, tough mutter yeah. or like i just get driven to them where i go I, I don't know my dad was a big would run marathons when i was a kid and I always loved the camaraderie of after the race. Yeah, it's cool. It's, it's fun. It's really cool. I remember I took Jim Florentine to run a uh, 
uh uh what a half marathon and uh and he was like he just didn't get it he by the way bought brand new shoes brand new running shorts (laughs) and he was just like huh and then he started then he did it he he bailed halfway through went to a holiday and took a shit jumped back into the race (laughs) and then placed in his age group okay is he that fit no he ran he only ran like four miles out of it like he ran and then took his shit and then jumped back in the race and like they were like yeah cheering him on he's like oh i did good and so um he uh it's interesting because anyone who knows races i love florentine this is what's really interesting jim however long he ran at the beginning he passed all the marker spaces so like if you run races for the most part, they can tell you what your splits are, like right. where you're at. Yeah. And but in this race, they only had markers for like the first six miles, and the rest of it there were no markers. And J- I don't think Jim ever intended to cheat at all. But if if you were trying to cheat, you couldn't do it better than Jim did it. <laughs> he ran past each of the six ones, and then bounced into a Holiday Inn, had breakfast, <laughs> took a shit, and then jumped back in the race right before the last marker, and then. <laughs> fucking place they're like this guy fucking killed it his first six miles wasn't that great but he really sped up towards the end and then and then we had beers afterwards and he was like oh this is cool as shit yeah that's what the fun of it is and we when we started it was we started like i think one in the morning like i organized the entire thing we started one in the morning it's pitch See, that's fun as fuck we had to sneak into like up this road that was closed because we couldn't get into will rogers state park so we had to like sneak into the entrance we didn't have permits to do this and um Going up the first hill, everybody like, so I, my whole thing was, I'm just going to, I want to like walk this at a fast pace to make sure I finish within 24 hours. My goal, all these guys start fucking running and I'm like, I don't want to be left alone. It's dark out. So great motivator. So I start running, you know, we're wearing headlamps and I'm just like, I'm staying with the pack. And I had another friend that was like, I'm going to walk it. And I'm like, all right, watch out for the fucking mountain lion. Good luck. Yeah. And, uh, and so in the back of my head, I was always like, if I ever fall back, I know he's back there. So I've got this like stop cap. Oh like, yeah. I, like, I can see myself running the whole thing just to not get lost. So n- I knew how we were running pace wise and everything. I knew we were going to get to what's called, uh, I think it's Yerba Buena. No, not Yerba Buena, past Yerba Buena, which is up in Ventura. I knew like we ran through <laughs> LA County into Ventura County. Oh my God. I knew that at about six o'clock it was going to get dark five thirty, and i was like we're going to be we still are going to have like 30 miles left and i was like i don't want to do a marathon and i mean i'm going to do a marathon in the dark i don't want to be alone i want to do a marathon and i lost the whole pack at 17 miles my knees started like fucking hurting and i was like practically crying in pain coming down this hill yeah and it was like seven miles down the saddle and i'm like i lost everybody and i'm like oh no, I'm going to do the end and just be so fearful that I'm mountain lion bait, you know? So then I had to go up the elevator. I go up the elevator and I just like charged it. No pain. It's kind of straight for a while. I get to this thing and they're waiting for me Two get Hunter and Tommy Hackenbrook are waiting for me. And they're like, Hey, your kid and her school are waiting for you at like uh Canaan, Canaan Dune road. They're waiting for you you got to fucking pick up the pace because they're only going to be there for like a short period. Oh shit. And your kid is waiting. They got signs and everything. We got a call from your wife. You better fucking motor. And I'm like, 
I'm in so much fucking pain. And Hunter just grabs like a handful of ibuprofen and shoves it in my mouth. And he's like, take this, let's go. I like, I think I forget at that stage, we might've had in and out or something. Like I just house like yeah. two in and out double. And I'm like, let's fucking go. I got to get there for my kid. My kid. And I ran like so fast. Like the, I'm just on Hunter's tail the whole time running that. And so I got to the kid and I was like, ibuprofen. I never, yeah, you know, I don't take a drug ever. Yeah. Ever. Don't Tylenol, ibuprofen, nothing. I take like natural shit. I was like, this shit's amazing. I was like, I feel like. I can. No wonder they don't let Barry Bonds use steroids. <laughs> was, if this is how ibuprofen I, feels. I was like, I got, everyone's like, how'd you finish the race? I'm like, have you ever taken ibuprofen? <laughs> it's you ever it's taken fucking ibuprofen? amazing. Ibuprofen is the greatest <laughs> thing I've ever had in my mouth in my entire life. My daughters were waiting for me at the end of the LA marathon and. It motivates you. And it motivates you. I definitely ran harder than I should have at the end of that race. And they only saw me for a second. I was like, hey. My wife said to me, why are you doing this at one point? And I go, because I'm going to show the kids you can never quit. I, I wish that I wish that my life lessons, the things I've done. See, everything I've ever done, my kids look at as a foolish adventure. Mm -hmm. Like, why would dad run a marathon? Yeah. Like I told him, I'm running from Dodger Stadium to santa monica oh yeah i've rode that and they were like, like why would you do that and i was like because like and i was like i don't know one day you'll go like well shit maybe i should do something like that and then, like they'd go see me at the spartan race or at the tough mudder or at the fucking neanderthal race or all the i've done all i've done almost all of them and the inflatable race the fucking i've done them all for tv mostly but and my daughters are just like and i i it's funny i can't get them to get out of their comfort zone and like in physicality except for georgia and this is the one place georgia and i have bonded is georgia loves my trainer and and well that's good and so she um my trainer was in there one day and was like georgia let's see how much you can deadlift and all the girls are in there mm -hmm. and then so georgia starts to deadlift she goes let's see if we can deadlift you can deadlift your weight you should be able to do your weight and georgia got up like 140 she definitely weighs below that. She's only fucking 16. And she was beaming with pride. Oh, that's awesome. Beaming with pride. And then the other day she was like, I'm kind of curious of like what I can squat. And then you're like, oh, wow. Like maybe we're finding. They're still young. They're still young to find it. I mean, I, I've brainwashed my kids. I mean, the little one, the two-year-old comes in and has his own little plastic weights that he lifts while I lift. And, yeah. and the, the girl, uh, the girl um, the way you said that the, the female the one girl's a star she's fucking unbelievable she can do 10 pull-ups already she's how old 66. is she six she's um 14 pull-ups is her record um Jesus. she is uh i'll take her on the trails and she'll outrun me she's like she's a freak um but like stuff like today she goes i'm bored and i go 10 burpees like if she says i'm bored she has to do 10 burpees and uh i'm like there's no reason to be bored no ever, reason to be ever, bored. ever. No one should ever be bored now that we have cell phones. We were bored. I was bored as fuck. You can't be bored with the cell phone. It's impossible. But I don't want my kids. Using I don't want to be. I'm, 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 I hate my cell phone. I hate my cell phone. I'm, we're going uh, camping this weekend. So I'm leaving Monday for three months. We're going camping this weekend. And uh, I so badly don't want to bring my cell phone. But then you want it there because you want to videotape stuff. But you I just want to videotape and you want to. Uh, there's times you need it for certain things that like you can find out like a million times I'll be somewhere and 
in a bad situation and I need the radar to know. Like, oh yeah. Storm. Yeah. Yeah. A cell phone's super fucking handy, but like everyone I know, and I'm in so many different things from surfing to like running to, to CrossFit to comedy. Everyone I talk to who's like good at what they do hates social media. Everyone hates it. And I, all I hear is people talk about wanting to get off it. Like, and they'll go, oh, it's so necessary and blah, blah. I just deleted all the people I follow and blah, blah, blah. And everyone I know hates it. And I'm like, why do we all do it if everyone hates I'll it? I'll tell you what. I'm the exact opposite. I just discovered TikTok and I can't fucking get off uh, it. I've learned so much on TikTok. <laughs> I like when a friend sends me a funny thing like a TikTok that's funny. And then I can share it with my like five friends from high school. Like. I'm on like a group chat with my friends from high school. I like, I like, I get those from Ro Rogan, Tom and, and, and Ari and I are on a chat and you'll get those mostly these days. It's, I, I don't know, even know what country Ari's in, but like me and uh, Tom will text back and forth, but it's always just like bullshit that only we would find interesting or a video of me lifting weights. My high school friends and I uh, got obsessed with the, uh, uh, wood you know the guy with the big black cock yeah i mean we it, it just became an everyday who could find the most unique meme of there have been some really good ones with that guy and we just it was non-stop for like the whole pandemic like every single day there was another one and now the joke is about just like you know how do we explain to our family that this is that we're obsessed with like, big yeah. black cock why is it black cock makes it better than just cock? I think it's just the size of that thing. I just said that I've just done Kurt Metzger's podcast the other day. Kurt didn't uh, Kurt. Who's like involved with the funny, you know, he wrote for Sasha Baron Cohen and he's involved in the funniest shit in the world. Had no idea who he was or had ever seen that one. tracks. That definitely tracks. I can see Kurt not Kurt's Kurt's an interesting guy. And I, I don't think, He's an interesting guy and he's all in his head and he lives in his own world. Yeah. What? Tell me. I'll, I'll get you out of here. I got to go fucking. I got to piss. So good. Dad. We'll, wrap, we'll wrap it up. Tell me about the album. Uh, it's called Sweet Home Alabama. You shoot it in Alabama? Malabama. Oh, we, Malabama. I was like. We call where I live because like, you know, like the house is down on, you know, Beach Road in Malibu and the colony and everything are like $40 million. There, There's like, there's $100 million houses now in Malibu. A bunch of them. There's, they're building like five, sixty million dollar houses next to each other. Like it's insane. And these people that I know that I'm friends with, and you go over to their houses, and you're like, "Wait, did you just say this house is forty million dollars?" That's insane. I can't. I, I. By the way, I, I'm. I have like issue with, I uh, like a million dollar house from our house that we live in or right now is a is like worth a million dollars, and I go, seems like a lot. Like it seems like more than you need in life. And it's a piece of shit. Well, that's how I feel about our house. And I, and so we are up in the mountains where there are, you know, some, you know, Will Smith lives. Oh, I know, know where right you down, are. I know where you are. Yeah. He lives right down the road from me. And like Halsey lives in my neighborhood, you know, like, but the guy across the street operated on his own scrotum and like literally cut his own ball sack open and sewed it shut. I actually think there needs to be more at home medicine done. I'm I, I was <laughs> just like telling this. someone the other day, I was like, I think I can't wait until they can green light at home dentistry where you can do your own dentistry, like Novocaine yourself. I'll bet you if I talk to him and I, I'm not going to say his name, but he's I'm very close to this guy. 
I'll bet you he's done some. Because, I know people that have. Because so surfers, a lot of the surfers I know are do sew up cuts. Yeah. Because you'll go on like boat trips, they call them. Like you go like in the Mentwise or you go to like the Maldives or somewhere. And if you're in this like weird place in Sumatra or something, like I was going to Sumatra with uh, uh, Tommy Chong's son, Paris Chong, yeah. who's a buddy of mine, really good buddy. He owns a surf camp in Sumatra. And I was supposed to go uh, surf with him. And I go, hey, Paris, I'm, I'm a little worried about like how far, like what am I going to do to get to an airport? And I have this insurance now where a helicopter will come get me. And I've had that insurance for a while, by the way, and, Travel Channel. And I was like, I'm a little worried about getting smashed on the reef. Like what's going to happen if, and he's like, oh, dude, you, you're fine. And you'll get out of there real quickly. And we'll, we'll motorboat you to blah, blah, blah. And he goes, and if it's just a cut, he goes, he goes, I'll, I'll sew you up. And I go, um, excuse me. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I'll sew you up. And I'm like, you'll sew me up. And he says, yeah, let me show you. He's like, I'll show you some pictures of some guys. Look at these ones I've done. This uh, is my that, friend. And this is my friend. And this is my friend. I would, I, if I could do it properly, I'd sew myself up if I, I, in a heartbeat. I would need to know. So there's a cool thing you can buy. I saw it on one of those Facebook ads. Order this. There's a little rubber thing that you practice. Oh, wait, I see, I've been seeing those all over the place. Yeah. And you practice suturing yourself. Oh, that sounds brilliant. I, look, I would like to do it just to practice. I wouldn't want it. I, I was a ski patrol and did all kinds of shit on people. Yeah. Like, but I never sewed anyone up or put a needle in anyone. I wasn't allowed to, but I saw some gory shit and I like gory shit. I don't think I'd want to sew a laceration up. I don't know. Where did you shoot? Where did you shoot the album? So I shot it at the ice house. We shot it just as a spec and we shot it right before the pandemic started. Oh God. And then I said, I think we're sitting on something good because no one has one and we have one. So luckily we just sold it to Australia. So it's going on national television in Australia, eight airings on, uh, Fuck yes. on like one of the top channels. So it was like the best thing I had ever done. Cause we shot it for like nothing. Really? And, uh, yeah, and so it's it's called Sweet Home Alabama because I always joke that where I live is not Malibu, it's Alabama. Yeah, because we're up in the mountains and there's Malibama. there's literally like people make their own moonshine and like and cut cut on their own scrotums. And there's like I found a rattlesnake dead on the road today. Uh, I rode over one like three days ago on my bike, my mountain bike. I was fucking flying, and all of a sudden I went on a trail and I just went ah! <laughs> and and I killed it. I, I went over and I went back and it was, I started throwing stick. It, it either played dead on me, but I didn't want to get close enough. But I mean, there's literally mountain lions and coyotes and bobcats and, and just weird shit that goes on up there in the mountains. So it's all Great. about that. Where can people get it now? Uh, it's on everything from YouTube, Pandora, Spotify, Amazon, iTunes. If you go to my bio um, on Instagram at idiot it's the link will take you to all of those because okay. it's with 800 pound gorilla. So, Oh fuck. Yeah. 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 So well, dude, this is, show. I can't wait to take a piss. I'll go show yeah. you the gym. I love you. You're my, one of love my, you one, too. my I oldest appreciate friends. You. In and I love your house. It's beautiful. It's oh, gorgeous. Thanks. Your compound's incredible. You deserve all your success. <laughs> um, you do, you do, you, you, you bust your ass. You put the pedal to the met. Like most people get heat and get something going on good and they lay off. You fucking put the pedal to the metal oh, thanks, man. and, and fucking hit it. And that's how you people really become successful. So you deserve, it's not like, Oh, he just lucked out. It's like, no, he, he, 
got it, and then he didn't sit around. He fucking busted his ass. So thanks, Eddie. I, I will, I will that, give brother. you that. I mean, other than that, I don't. Think <laughs> I do think you're a pussy that you didn't do the CrossFit Games against. But I wasn't training. I didn't care about CrossFit. Now I do. Just I I would have put on a weight vest that would have put my weight to yours. You would never be able to compete with me at my weight. Yeah, I would. And you got to drink the night before, like I would. No, I wouldn't do the drinking. The drinking, you'd knock me out. The drinking, because I don't drink anymore. At all? Hardly ever. Although I was over it. Uh, the music on my podcast is, uh, or on my albums from Serge Tonkian from System of a Down. Yeah. I was over at his house. Does he drink? He gave me Armenian uh, vodka the other night. We tried so hard to get that guy on this podcast. Really? We tried so hard. Yeah, because I wanted to hear about. The, What's going on? Yeah, in Azerbaijan? I wanted to talk about. It. Yeah, I was fascinated by it. He'll and tell you all about Azerbaijan. No, they, his people kind of just shut us just, out. But it, uh, I'll take care of it. Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, he's one of my best friends in the whole world, and yeah. um, he is one of the most incredible people, and nicest, nicest, nicest people. Like I don't know. I met him, and I was just like, "Oh, everybody in music must be like this." And uh, it's not, huh? And. Uh, I went and did Kevin and Bean one day and they were like, oh, you know, sir. And I was like, yeah, they're like, he is the nicest guy in music. And I was like, well, set ah. it up. I'd love to talk. I don't know yeah. if that's still going on with Armenia. Uh, it is. It's trust me. It's going on and it's fucking nuts. That's how little I know about the news. All right, go piss. I'll show uh, you my gym. I love you. Congrats. Thank you. This episode was brought to you by The Machine. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. You could turn $10 into $250. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/fan and use code FAN. That's code FAN at prizepicks.com/fan. Must be present in certain states. Visit prizepicks.com for restrictions and details.